it's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty alongside my producer, Michael Brauner, coming to you day number two of the 2023 SEC Football Media Days, coming to you live from the lobby or radio row here in the Grand Hyatt Hotel. And, of course, we want to thank all everyone for tuning in and listening and you can download the free sound of mobile app again to interact with us on the WNSP app that's a free downloadable sound of mobile app that you can download to any Android or iPhone device that you may have and of course SEC media days brought to you by Pat's industrial auto supplies SEC media days 2023 Presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Era Excellence, Chavez Furniture, New Century Tires, the attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm. And Michael Bronner, today at the podium, we saw Auburn, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Mississippi State head coaches. What stuck out for you the most? Man, that big media room was a little bit more full today than it, was, than it was yesterday. I knew everyone couldn't wait to hear from Kirby, couldn't wait to hear from Hugh Freeze. Obviously, the, the big question kind of for both, I think, was are either of them going to get the tough questions, the uncomfortable questions? I, I think it was Pat Forty, who, who I believe you got the chance to interview, so we'll hear from him later, uh, you know, had the had the bravery to, to stand up and, and ask Kirby the question about the traffic violations and are you satisfied with what's going on? And Honestly, I, I thought that Kirby gave a, a pretty satisfactory answer to that, uh, saying, like, you know, obviously I don't I don't like this, that this kind of stuff is going on. I think it happened, although I think if you look at any school in the country, I think that that kind of thing happens. I think that, you know, it's been happening at every school in the country for a long Obviously, there's a magnifying glass, like we've been saying, and he made a good point, too. You know, these are 18 to 22-year-olds, you know, Kirby said, when I was an 18, 22-year-old, well, that's that's when I was getting speeding tickets, too. So, yes, obviously, you know, with the tragedy that happened right after the national championship and then, you know, the, the subsequent, the fact that they've won two national championships in a row, the spotlight is on them. So, but, you know, I thought he, I, I didn't think he got peppered with tough questions. Like, I thought maybe he, maybe a lot of people thought he would, and I thought he answered the ones he did get pretty pretty well. Well, here also you had Auburn and Hugh Freeze taking the podium, and Hugh Freeze talked about his standards that he set at Arkansas State and his time at Liberty and the success that he had there. So it was great to, to catch up with Hugh Freeze. And, of course, we will have many player interviews for you. Ethan Barr 
along with Jalen Mahoney from Vanderbilt were kind enough to stop by and talk with us for a little while. We were able also to catch up with Kirby Smart and Cedric Van Praan, offensive lineman center for the back-to-back -back national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. We'll be able to hear from them yeah, we along with we, Cameron Stutz. We might have set a single-day interview record. A lot of them are quick, so fair warning on that. But, man, we have... 12, 13, 14, 15 interviews today, something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very busy day, very busy time here at SEC Media Days, which is you expected to be and scheduled to join us here in just a few minutes will be SEC Network host Peter Burns. Of course, you see Peter Burns, especially in his LSU garb, along with Chris Doring with their friendly wagers that they have with Florida and LSU in the college baseball world series so peter burns scheduled to stop by and talk with us live here today and also zach arnett we had an opportunity to catch up with him also we'll be playing that interview and when you look at clark lee and and the vanderbilt commodores they're a program that's always looked at the doormat of the sec sure. but there's a lot of renovations going on at Vanderbilt. They're gutting their stadium to make it a little bit more friendly for recruits to come in. And of course, we asked about Cam Johnson, the young wide receiver from Theodore High School, who is on the roster. That's right. I forgot Vanderbilt about him. And so is he well. Is he switching over to tight end? He is. He's going to play tight end. He's, he's, he's a tight tall. end, he's... six foot five or so. So he is on the Vanderbilt Commodores roster, so that was something great to be able to talk to Coach Lee about. But overall, you know, when you look at the four coaches who took the podiums today, especially Hugh Freeze, I thought that he did a wonderful job. Really no shocking news came out of it. I, the, the thing, the first couple of days for sure has been the talk of the NIL for sure. We'll take a quick break as Peter Burns will be joining us here on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 on the other side of this break. This is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. from Nashville on Radio Row, Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, SEC Media Days 2023, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by Eagle Dent Repair and McConnell Buick GMC. Privileged to be joined by Peter Burns, SEC host. When you, when you look at Peter whoa, Burns. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, what's up, rookies? Hey, what's what's up, up, there rookies? we go, Peter. <laughs> so this is your first, you guys are telling me this is your first time coming to Media Days? <laughs> first time? I, I, I don't want you to interview me. I want to interview you guys. Like, yeah, how has it been so far? Has it lived up to the hype? Hey, look, yeah, I tell you, day number two, much more smooth for me than day number one. Okay. And much more comfortable, but this is a great environment. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. You guys have 
had a boatload of interviews. I've, I've, oh, I've, we got I've, a bunch I've, today. How does Nashville compare to, you know, Hoover, Birmingham, Atlanta? It's a new vibe, and I think that's what's exciting about it because, you know, we, we would always be in, in, in Hoover for the longest time, and everybody knew kind of the – the things, uh, you know, you, where you would go eat and you kind of have your routine, stuff like that. It was real easy. And then we started adding Atlanta into the mix, which was, was fun as well, the College Football Hall of Fame. But this feels good. And I think a lot of us, you know, look at it going, oh, it's something new. And, hey, what restaurants are we going to go to? And where, where are we going to go out at night? And where are we going to, you know, kind of, you know, kind of create new relationships and friendships and talking to these coaches. So I love it. I'm excited that we're going to Dallas after that uh, for coming up next year with Texas and Oklahoma. So it's, um, it's again, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year because you're talking football, but it's almost like a little bit of a tease, right? Like we're not quite there, but it gets your mind right that, hey, it's right around the corner. Your partner, Chris Dory, and I know you guys have a blast together with one another, whether it's your Halloween outfits or whether it's your bets and oh, that yeah. you make with one another. I know you made him pay up big time, Baton Rouge guy yourself, yeah. pulling for the Tigers. But that's got to be a lot of fun to see him pay up and, and, and pay debts. That five, are five in a row, yeah. He had to dress up like an LSU baseball player traveling here to media days. So he had to dress up the full LSU baseball gear when LSU beat Florida in the College World Series. So it was fun to watch. Um, and, and again, it's one of those things where I appreciate, you know, the commissioner leaning into it. In fact, it was his idea that we actually have one. He, he was joking around with me and Dory and be like, y'all going to have a friendly wager on this, right? And I think that's important that you have a commissioner that understands, like, listen, I mean, I'm the anchor of the network. I'm supposed to love every single school equally, which I do. But I make no bones about it. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Like, the passion that I have for LSU is probably different than it might be for Alabama or for Auburn or for State or for Vanderbilt. So the fact that they let us lean into that, is is awesome, and I, I think that's part of what the rivalries and what of the SEC family is. Speaking of Peter Burns, SEC Network host, it's interesting you bring that up because you know we're down in Mobile, Alabama. We're, you know, we have the reputation of being an Alabama station. Corey and I are both Alabama fans as well. So, like, you know, how, how do you manage the, you know, balance the fandom versus professionalism aspect of your job? Um, it, it's tough, but I think the more it's it's funny because I was talking to somebody about this a, a while ago, and I have a bunch of friends. I played college golf at a bunch of friends that work in the golf industry and they said you don't care so much about golf when you work in the golf industry because that's your job and I realized that I'm like I'm not as die hard of an LSU fan as I am now now that I work in the industry because I almost I pull more for good stories and good content and what's going to be great for on-air radio discussions or television discussions so I mean my favorite one of my favorite memories was um, since we launched the network in 2014 was Mississippi State, Morgan William hitting the shot against UConn in women's hoops. Like, if you had told me 10 years ago my ba one of my favorite memories was going to be a, a Mississippi State women's basketball player beating UConn, I'd be like, get the blank out of here. No way. But you just, you, you, you fall in love with some of these coaches, these players, these storylines. And so it's a lot easier now than it was when we first launched, you know, in 2014. Yeah. I knew you were a college golfer. I, you know, it, I, I don't know. We have limited time here, but my, my game is falling apart. Uh -oh. it, it's incomplete. And I was never very good. I'm, just, I'm, I'm on a quest to break 90 for the first time ever, but it, it's in. Well, don't have kids. That doesn't well, help. I mean, so I've heard, but you know, it, it's now at the point I can't hit the ball it's incomplete shamble what, what do I do where do I go from here I would I'm, take I'm two weeks bottom. off I would take two weeks off and then quit <laughs> <laughs> 
that's that's the famous uh, that's the famous line. Um, I, you know, I, it gets to the point of of now. I just get to the idea where if you don't play a lot, just go out there and enjoy it. Yeah. Like, I don't care how bad I play as long as I play fast anymore. Yeah. Like I'm just so impatient. So for me, I I look at it and we have a good time and you know. And now the golf gloves are getting ready to go in the closet because once football season comes, oh, man, yeah. it is uh, you know we're working seven days a week. Peter Burns, SEC Network host, joining us here. A couple of minutes left with Peter. And I know, Peter, you were down in Mobile. And oh, had a Senior blast. Bowl yeah. golf charity, uh, charity golf event that Jim Nagy and the group put on. I know that you were talking about a little scramble action. But yeah. you're, you're learning a little bit about Mobile. I know Roger McCreary, Jr. from yeah. Auburn. You, you learn a lot about him and being from Mobile. But there's so yeah. many stars. Did you learn any more about the history of Mobile and the athletes that have come from here? Yeah, I mean, just just – I want to go and speak to it because I used to just pass through Mobile. I I remember as a kid, we used to just see if we could hold our breaths underneath the tunnel when we would go from Baton Rouge over where to to the beaches, right? We never would make it. And my dad would always make it as a kid. I'm like, Dad, did you make it? And I was like, okay, now I know he was lying. Um, But to actually spend time down there and to have a good time and see the restaurants and see how much that that whole area has developed is incredible. Um, It's just a good part of the world. And, and again, it's kind of fun when you go down there because you get recognized. You you see Auburn people. You see LSU people. You see a lot of uh, Roll Tide out there. And it's just kind of like that perfect spot that I didn't know existed. Uh, and I'm, I can't wait. And what Jim has done with the Senior Bowl is just, it's awesome. Um, he's created, he's made Mobile a destination, kind of like how Omaha is for the College World Series type stuff. we got to wrap up pretty soon here, Peter. But, you know, you brought up Jim Nagy and in the, in, in the Senior Bowl. It, it really is just phenomenal. It, it's one of the best events of the year, man. It, it's you know, we have we have a great time with it, and it's it's now it's so well represented, and Jim's done a good job. And like again, the name recognition for Mobile. When you say Mobile, people think the NFL draft starts here. That's sure. a great sl- slogan and a, and a and a line for them those guys. So, uh, as any any opportunity I get a chance to head to Mobile, I'm I'm in. Peter, can't thank you enough for taking time to join us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Look forward to watching your commentary as the season unfolds. And good luck with your betting partner, Chris Dorn, as the season unfolds also. I don't need luck. I'm not the one playing. I've been doing all right so far. There we go. See you, boys. All right. Thank you. Peter Burns, host of the SEC Network, joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. And it's always a pleasure when you can sit and incorporate golf game. And to oh, I, had to, I had to ask that. on top of anything else that Peter Burns is passionate about talking to him off the air. We want to thank him for stopping by here on the final drive. And I know that we also have Georgia that was highly involved today and had a chance to, to talk to Kirby Smart and the head football coach of the back-to-back national champions, Georgia Bulldogs, joined us for a couple of moments as he was passing through and get Kirby Smart's thoughts about the Georgia Bulldogs' upcoming season. Coach Smart, your team back-to-back national champions, you talk about complacency and the challenge with complacency. Your team coming into this year, how do you go ahead and address all of those issues internally and block out the external factors? Well, we address them by the people we bring in our organization. You know, I think um, you start by, like, developing good people and bringing good people in. I just talked about it on the main floor, but we look for two characteristics, people that love football and people that embrace a selfless role. Once you do that, 
they don't have complacency because they have the right the right hardwiring. So uh, you know, people that worry about outcomes like, oh gosh, my ego, why am I not getting the ball? Or like, oh man, we lost a game. Complacency sets in on those people because when they hit a milestone, they don't know how to respond to it. Um, so we want people that are intrinsically motivated. I mean, they come from inside out and they want to be great regardless of that. Now, do we have all players like that? No, we're trying to move our needle to get the majority that way so that we can stomp out that complacency. And we just want to be as dominant and as good as we can be. And that starts with competing against each other. You're obviously building a recruiting machine. You talk about rooting out complacency. How do you go about doing that when you're bringing in so many talented players? Well, you, you teach, you know, you, you, you teach kids, you, you show them evidence that like work works. Like we say hard work works. Like if you work really hard and you buy into the team concept and you contribute some kind of way, your, your time's coming, you're going to play. We've had a lot of freshmen go out and start and play. And I think there's a misnomer that when you recruit well, that means you have to sit and wait. We started two true freshmen last year on defense, the very first game. Um, so when you recruit talented people and you got people that are selfless, that love the game, you've got an opportunity to, to have uh, good success. Kirby Smart, head football coach of the back-to-back -back national champions, Georgia Bulldogs, joining us on the final drive. And, Michael, I think that one of the biggest topics has been the off-the-field issues along with the schedule. Now, Kirby doesn't make the schedule. He plays what's in front of it. Someone had the courage to ask him about he, the cakewalk When he was asked schedule. about it, he, he was asked about it. He said, come play it. Those were his words, come play it. And mm. I think that being the back-to-back -back national champions, Kirby not necessarily feels the pressure because anytime you've won it back-to-back -back opportunities, you know, there are schools that have never won a national championship, and Kirby has been able to do that in his time. But I, I think that outside of the schedule, you know, Kirby also was asked about the culture of trying to eradicate unsafe drivers yeah. and I think that that's very important to to buying into the culture because there's going to come a time we've already had a depth involved in yeah. this situation to where that's the ultimate teaching tool but how Kirby handles it continuously moving forward if it's another problem what will happen yeah well he said you know like I said earlier he said kind of we don't have more now than we've had in the past and you know these are 18 and 22 year olds which you know are all fair points like I said the the microscope is there especially after the tragedy and after the fact that you are the two-time defending national champions I thought one of the more interesting and uh really like sage wise points that Kirby Smart was talking about and I know like you know man like three different people asked him like comparisons to Alabama comparisons to Alabama comparisons to Alabama is all here because of course came from Alabama is doing things that only Alabama has ever done at least in this recent era and you know of course he doesn't want to hear that but the addressing the threat of complacency. It's like you, you haven't heard that kind of comment from anyone but Nick Saban because you, have, you haven't really had to. Like other, every other team in college football over the last 15 years has had other, other threats than just getting complacent. Now, Georgia.
Georgia. You know, what is the only thing that can stop them from winning a third straight national championship? It's, I mean, barring Alabama being really good, barring Ohio State, like, it's complacency. It's like get, feeling like we're, we're good enough. Oh, this cupcake of a schedule. That's why he says come play this 12-game schedule. He knows this schedule's not hard. He was asked a different question in regard to what he does come up with to motivate his team, yeah. man. I thought that that was an outstanding question, and his response to that as well, he says, look, Brooks he Austin. plagiarizes. He finds a way to plagiarize great sayings, or he finds motivational speakers to come in and speak with his team, which I think is key in finding that outside edge to keep that razor-sharp mentality that you must have week to week so you don't have any setbacks if you're the back-to-back -back national champion Georgia Bulldogs. So the way he handled that I think was key and also you know, the, the anchor of any offense is going to be the center. And the center of attention this year is going to be Cedric Van Praan. We had an opportunity to catch up with him as well. Here with Georgia center, Cedric Van Praan, Stephen Root, Michael Brauner from SEC Media Days here. You're a uh, second timer. How's it feel being back at SEC Media Days? It's truly a blessing. Um, honestly, I couldn't be more happy. Um, and thankful for the opportunity that one uh, God has given me, but also Coach Smart, so I'm uh, super grateful. You represent the program well, but uh, you'll have an, a different set of hands behind you this year. Stetson Bennett moving on. Um, what do you look for in a quarterback? What makes your life easy from a quarterback um, that's, that's behind you every week? I think ultimately it's, it's the relationship. Um, I think that uh, when you have a guy that's willing to work with you, uh, meet you in the middle, what makes him comfortable, what makes you comfortable, and y'all have an understanding and a relationship of, hey, this is how we're going to do things, this is how we move forward. I think that's what makes um, a situation really work. If I'm not being the guy that's, hey, we're going to do it this way, and he's not being the guy that's, hey, we do it this way or no way, um, then it'll never work. So as long as we're not being that, I think we'll be good. Cedric, not only a two-timer at SEC Media Days, but coming back as a back-to-back -back national champion. How does Coach Smart keep you guys hungry and keep you chasing that third in a row this year? I think Coach Smart does, a, uh, I guess, a great job, you would say. Uh, it's really explaining to us that those previous two teams, they cannot help you. They cannot play for you. They cannot line up and put on a jersey with you. Um, that is over. That has happened in the past. This is a completely new year, new team, and we must take our own journey. So um, I think he's really, really engraved that in us and we all understand that this year is its own entity its own team so we have to do um what we have to do todd munkin moving on to the nfl mike bobo in at offensive coordinator um what's the transition been like so far i think it's been really smooth um it really really helped that coach bobo was around last year so it's not like you're dealing with a completely new guy and you know you have no idea who this person is um he's been around know his personality know his tendencies know what he likes to do and how he feels so um, I think it's been a really smooth transition. Being from New Orleans, what was that SEC championship like? Um, <laughs> tell me tell me what it was like to beat LSU the way y'all did. Uh, well, one, I want to say kudos to them. They have a great program, oh, yeah. uh, really, really good team, very talented. Um, but honestly, it was, it was almost like a homecoming, you know, playing against guys that you met and recruited and grew up with, things like that. Um, it was really, really cool. Um, fortunately, we ended up with a W, so that was good for us. But ultimately, we really enjoyed it. Looking ahead to this year, is there a game you you have most circled on the calendar? Honestly, no. Uh, I, I want to say that all of our opponents are really, really good. So 
to be honest with you, I think every game has to be scheduled because everybody's going to come out. They're going to be well prepared. Everybody's going to um, have tendencies, watch film, whatever it is, you know, on us. Um, but we have to go out and we have to go and compete. So I think that's the best way to answer that question. Man, as you stand here today about six foot four, what do you feel uh, like? Are you the small man with some of these guys they're oh, bringing in on that offensive man. line? How do you feel about the size George has been able to bring in on that line? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I think it'll really pay off in the, for him in the long run um, because usually when you have a big body like that, it's, it's a lot easier to mold those guys and get them to do things where even if, you know, they may not be up to their full potential yet, they can really, really help out the team because of their God-given ability. So I think that it's amazing. Uh, fortunately, for myself as I play center, I'm not 6'7". That's a good thing for me. So um, I think ultimately it'll be really good for those guys. Well, nobody sees that defensive line better than you. You've had uh, Jalen Carter move on. You've got some uh, veteran leadership coming back on that defensive line. What do you, what's your take on that defensive line this year? I think our defensive line is really talented. Uh, we have a lot of guys that can do multiple things. So guys can pass rush after the run, which I think is uh, crucial because now you can kind of really mix and match and have depth what you can do with the fronts, twists, whatever it may be. Um, so I really think that'll help us out in the long run. Cedric Van Prance, Center, University of Georgia here at SEC Media Days. We appreciate your time, man. Nah, thank you all and God bless. Cedric Van Prawn joining us, and Cedric is the starting center for the Georgia Bulldogs, and want to thank him and Kirby Smart for taking time out of their busy schedule to join us on the final drive here on WNSP. But the Georgia Bulldogs tasked with the three-peat process, and we'll see if they're able to hold on. And I think one of the interesting answers by Kirby Smart of course the blueprint the comparison between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban he said he thinks the the situations I think the two circumstances are very different two different programs led by two different people a lot of respect for Nick and the things I learned for him I thoroughly enjoyed my time with him as an assistant coach but what we're doing right now is based on the players and people and organization we have not anything relevant to what we had when I was there. So Kirby Smart speaking on the blueprint and the mirror images between Georgia and Alabama. The final drive will return here coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville. Want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies. The 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by Ken Morgan, Allstate agent, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, and Rich's Car Wash. Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen, and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you from Radio Row at the Grand Hyatt here in downtown Nashville. Of course, we want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, the 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Dixie Supply, Keesler Federal Credit Union, The Cart Doctor, and Green and Phillips Injury law firm and of course I mentioned the four coaches that were at the podium and the players that took the podium today and when you look back at Hugh Freeze and Auburn and 
talking to many media members. If Auburn wins nine years, nine games, Hugh Freeze wins coach of the year. But I think that when you and I have continued to break down their schedule, yeah. right around seven wins, I think, would be a real, real good season under year number one head coach Hugh Freeze, especially taking over 40 members in the transfer portal to help out with their program this year. Well, you know, the, you had to take 40 members in the transfer portal because of what the situation was. I, I mean, I think we've disagreed on this a little bit in the sense that, you know, you see seven wins as, all right, Hugh Freeze did a really good job in his first season. I kind of see seven wins as Auburn is like, they got to win seven games. I don't think the schedule is all that difficult for Auburn. I mean, obviously you have to play Obviously, you have to play Georgia and you have to play Alabama, which no other team in the country, if I'm not mistaken, can say the same thing. So, you know, right right off the bat, it's it's not particularly easy. I'm not I'm not saying that, but you know, look at the non-conference. You you should start off three and zero. You have a chance to start off four and zero, and depending on what A and M is. And so, you know, I I think seven wins. Like, if you don't get to seven wins, it's a huge disappointment. You end up seven and five. You're like, all right, yeah, that's about what I expected. You go eight and four. You can you start to say, all right, this was really impressive. Well, again, Philip Montgomery, the new offensive coordinator, will be calling the plays, and that's something Hugh Freeze said during his time in the yep. SEC. He considered himself one of the best play callers in the entire SEC. And from an offensive output standpoint, you really can't argue with those type of numbers. And he says on the quarterback play, he hopes to narrow down it to two early in fall camp, Peyton Thorne and, of course, Robbie Ashford. But he feels optimistic about the quarterback room. Yeah, and it was interesting he didn't really name a – a starting quarterback. Tennessee does play Bama and Georgia, by the way. That was a, a slip of the tongue up by me. But um, he didn't. Na- he didn't, of course, name a starter. Although we all think it's going to be Peyton Thorn. You know, Robbie Ashford, of course, has experience playing for Auburn. How great was that experience? Yeah, it was. It was the Peyton Thorn experience. There was. Uh, there was some good, some bad. I thought he had played really played one of his best games of the season, actually, in the Iron Bowl in Bryant Denny Stadium. He certainly made his best throw of the season with that touchdown pass. And so, uh, you know, outside of that, it's like you got to ask yourself, uh, like. Does anyone but Peyton Thorne have a chance of winning the job legitimately? You know, he mentioned even even the freshman. It's like, but he acknowledged the fact. Yes, he's a freshman. He doesn't really he doesn't really have a uh, a chance to win this one. But it's Holden Garner as well, outside of Ashford and and, and Peyton Thorne. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be Peyton Thorne. I thought one of the more interesting things Hugh Freeze talked about as well was, uh, you know, he didn't think he'd get another chance to coach in the SEC after things ended. No, no one asked him directly about like how things ended at Ole Miss, which like I get why. I don't like, think it, he had it, to. It, it, it's it's to. in the past. It was just like it was it was kind of funny. Like there was a lot of dancing around it. Like everyone knew it was the big elephant yeah, in the room. You, you no pun intended. To. It was like uh, you know when things ended the way they did at Ole Miss. When things ended the way they did at Ole Miss, it's like <laughs> it, was, it was a bit awkward. In the room to be honest but you know that's kind of what you expect well I I know this as well one of the biggest questions for all the coaches has been the NIL and Hugh Freeze he was very transparent about speaking about how that the NIL current situation keeps him up 
at night. And the name, image, and likeness, he said he understands every player wants that opportunity, but he wants to educate his student athletes on making good financial decisions. And he does know that there does need to be more NIL regulation, but he does know that the NIL, he quoted it as being a blessing and that student athletes should be getting a better blessing when deserve, deservingly so. Yeah, I mean, NIL is kind of a, a topic that every coach is going to be asked about, and it's kind of every coach gives the exact same answer. They all started off with, well, I'm not particularly educated on the topic, but you know they are, so. I, you know, I don't even think they've said that. They've just said that, that because legislation no is different. On the topic. Right, there you go. No expert on the topic, and the fact that it is different. You know, that is something that you definitely have to, to look at, that it is different from school to school. It does differ in different situations. And also asked about the current locker room status. I mean, he, he says that his staff is going to have to take accountability and there's going to have to be player accountability from a leadership standpoint because they do have core values at Auburn that he wants to be represented as far as the way he conducts himself and the locker room processes that go on. So I think that that in and of itself lets you know that people across the country are very aware of what goes on with Fitzgerald at Northwestern oh, being yeah. removed as every the head coach. coach. Is, every so coach is being asked about that one as well. you are aware of it, I think that it makes you tighten the reins on the way that you do conduct and the way that you do run your locker room. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm getting distracted by the fact that it is about to, it's about to pour right here in Nashville. We're right by the, right by the door. It's, yeah, get, it's are, getting blown open. We, we have windows that are right behind us here at SEC Media Days, oh, and the man. sky has ultimately gone dark, and the the wind has pushed the door open behind us, <laughs> and it's about to blow us away here as the door is open uh, on us. As you can hear that wind that is ripping through, but. At the same time, you know, it doesn't change the fact that Auburn does have a, a lot of expectations. And what do I mean by the expectations? Hugh Freeze has the expectations that this Auburn fan base demands him to win. And there is no difference in demanding Auburn to win than when Brian Harson was head coach there. So I know that, you know, with the distractions going on behind us, that's okay too, Michael. We only, we got a couple more minutes here before <laughs> we get to break. And the, the door has been blown open behind us. Papers go to scattering. But uh, the, the downtown Nashville state is, it's really the, the weather has changed on a drop of a dime. And you can hear the wind blowing behind us. But I, I will say Nashville this. doing a mobile impression. It, it really is. And quick, fast, in a hurry. I, I think that he has the motto of flipping the script at Auburn and that's what he's one of his mantras flipping the script sure and I think he will be able to do that whether that's in year one yeah that's, or whether that's, that's the next question how many three. years does it take I, I you know look year one again seven wins that's kudos there but he, he definitely wants to take Auburn back to the upper echelon now is he inheriting the same type of team that Brian Kelly received at LSU in year number one absolutely not no way shape form or fashion in that are the expectations that high 
Of course they are, because everyone wants to win the SEC West. Yeah, I don't think the expectations were, I mean, it's easy to say for LSU that they were high. I mean, I don't think the expectations for LSU and Brian Kelly year one were that high. You know, I think eight and four would, would have been nice. I don't think anyone expected to win the SEC West. Obviously, they overachieved in year one. I mean, no one no one thought they were going 10-2 and two and winning the SEC West. I mean, I, I think that uh, the expectations were honestly about on par with what all, yeah, maybe a little bit higher because they're, they're two years removed from a national championship at that point, but the program was in shambles. Well, I, I will say this, too, in regards to player personnel. One of the questions that's definitely been asked, in the spring you did want to rely on Jarquez Hunter and what he was going to be able to bring this Auburn running game. You shut down, and, shut and down that one. he was asked about it. He was asked about Jarquez Hunter's availability for fall camp in August, and he said he couldn't comment on university policies or procedures when asked about Hunter. So we don't know here whether he will be able to play in week number one or whether there'll be some type of suspension that goes on. We're just unsure about that at that point in time. And we look forward, as it continues to unfold, to find out. And as we are here on Radio Row, when we return here to SEC Media Days, we will be joined by the SEC Coordinator of Football Officials. And being a basketball official myself for the AHSAA, I can tell you, you know, you put on those stripes and you know that there is trouble. You know that there's going to be trouble. So being a football official, we're going to the rule changes, specifically in the SEC especially, and look forward to our next guest on the other side of this break here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets. Also brought to you by the Cart Doctor and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. And it's been a long day for our next guest as he was able to step to the podium at 8.15 this morning. John McDade, SEC Coordinator of Football Officials, joins us here. How's it going? Everything's excellent. Great to be here. Great to see you guys. Absolutely. We'll jump right into the rule changes that a lot of football fans are going to see in 2023. And we yell at our TV screens or yell as fans enough as it is, not necessarily at the officials, but when there are certain calls or non-calls that are being made. Tell us a little bit about the new rule changes entering this season. Yeah, they're only going to really see two, two aspects that are going to change. The big one that's going to be very obvious is... First downs and bounds outside of two minutes in each half. We're going to keep the clock uh, moving. We're not going to stop it and then start it back up after we get the ball uh, down ready for play. It's just going to keep moving. Anyone that's also a fan of the National Football League, it's going to look exactly like it does on Sunday. The second rule you'll, you'll not see as much. End of a half, your opponent is kicking a field goal, and your coach takes a timeout to freeze the kicker, and then you're wondering why he doesn't use his second timeout if he has one left. Um, it's because he can no longer can. You can only take one charge timeout per dead ball period. Um, after you take a timeout, if you have any left, you've got to wait for the ball to be snapped before you can take the next one. This is a rule they've had in the National Football League for about a decade. And the rules 
changes are implemented to speed up the game a That's little correct. bit. That was the point of emphasis as why that change was In made. particular, the duration of game in terms of play numbers, right? Trying to get the number of plays down. It's obviously also uh, when you're running the clock after first downs and bounces, it's, all, it's probably also going to drive down the, the game time as well. John, I never understood why it was the case that the clock always, I mean, it was something unique about college football as compared to the NFL, but why was that the case? You know, I, it, you have to go back uh, 50-plus years, maybe even close to 100 to understand that. But I, I can say this. Let's say we made this rule change 25 years ago. 25 years ago, both teams still huddled. We didn't have a 40-second clock. Uh, we waited for the officiating crew to put the ball down, and then the referee would make it uh, the ball ready for play. You would probably lose 10 to 20 seconds every time you had a first down in bounds. The, because of the 40-second clock, the quick tempo of most offenses, the way we officiate the game, we've been starting the clock back up within three to four seconds after first downs and bounds. It's going to have a much less impact. So I think my guess is, and it's just purely a guess, at least mid-20th mid, mid 20th century, they stopped it just because of how much administrative, the touching of the ball, placing the ball, making the ball ready for play that was going on. It was just taking time off the clock that wasn't allowing the teams to move. Every year, I know probably recommendations are made not only by your office, but along with coaches, athletic directors to be approved. Moving forward, are there any other aspects of officiating that will continue to change? You know, it, it's... it's uh, I'll interpret your question by where are the stakeholders in, in their comfort where the game is, right? And um, the first place they're always going to go is safety, right? And uh, we didn't have any rule changes this year related to safety. Although you could say driving down the number of plays per game is, is ultimately a safety-related issue. But we didn't do anything like change blocking below the waist or, or, or anything like or anything with targeting, right? That, those are all in good places. We like where they are. Um, you know, the competitive balance seems to be there. The advantage between, advantage disadvantage between offense and defense, the scoring, everyone seems to like where, where that is. It's it's a number of plays and, and game time that, that I think a, a lot of the conversation uh, was spent. The other thing, one last thing I'll say is um, do we stop the game too much for replay? Does it affect the flow of the game too much? Well, I will ask you this as well. The SEC keeps winning and puts itself in national championship games. It's hard to get an SEC crew to call a national championship game or virtually impossible to do. That's a good problem to have. Turns out now an employee of the SEC, and that's a problem I want to have each and every year. <laughs> I absolutely love that fact. And one more question for you before we let you go in regards to the officials instant replay or just making sure that we get the call right. I think that that's really what the coaches want, what the fans want. Instant replay in the game. Will there be ever a time limit on the amount of time it takes to see an instant replay? You know, the one thing about time limits is um, sometimes there's a play that's really, really hairy and you need more time. And you don't want to uh, arbitrarily take that time away to make sure you come out with the right uh, outcome. Uh, I remember a game between Oklahoma and Kansas about three years ago. I had an onside kick at the end of the game. They needed every minute, every bit of four minutes to sew together a bunch of camera angles to get the play right. I'm glad they had the four minutes to do that. John, I do want to ask you, last thing I want to ask you, I mean, just from a fan perspective, you have the most impossible job in the world. I think from a fan perspective, fans love to complain about, I mean, we do a show every week, fans almost live to complain about the officiating. I, I get why, you know, fans feel, well, you know, one call could have changed the outcome of the game. It, it, it is what it is. I mean, what do, you, what do you say when fans complain about the level of officiating across the SEC? Like, what, what, what can be done when there are issues with officiating? You know, I, I, I tried to touch on this this morning um, in my address. Um, 
I ask the fans to consider that a lot of times they'll see a, a, a play that I'll agree that we missed, whether we threw a flag was incorrect or we, we failed to throw a flag was a missed call. I ask them to consider that basically what they're doing at that moment is they're judging, the, they're evaluating the performance of the official on a sample size of one. They're using that one play to say whether or not that's good official or not. If officials been with me for five years, working 11 games a season, 180 plays a game, there's 10,000 plays I've seen that official work, right? That one call or non-call, I'm evalu evaluating in the context of 10,000 plays. I ask the fans also consider this. Your team goes 6-0. and Game seven, quarterback throws two, two interceptions. One of them costs them the game. Are they going to eva evaluate that quarterback and just those two pass attempts? Or are they going to consider what happened for the six prior games, all the practices, and the August That game? would depend on the fan. Well, that's true. <laughs> they jump to conclusions as well with, with players just as much as officials. Well, I tell you, I respect the job that you do. Again, I know the AHSAA is really making a push. Ken Washington toward hiring officials, need younger officials so we can continue to cultivate and grow the game because without officials and especially without excellent officials we won't have those contests so I respect the job that you have not necessarily the amount of pressure but the fact that you do a very tedious job and I respect that you and your officials are out there doing the best that you can do not robots humans we all make mistakes and I don't come on to your job and pile on to you and I know it's a different outlook that I have as well being a former official but John McDade SEC coordinator of football officials joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy day to join us here on the final drive. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you, John. John David joining us here, SEC football coordinator of officials on the final drive. We'll be right back after this break. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5, day number two. Live from SEC Media Days, Grand Hyatt, Radio Row is where we're located. Want to thank Pat's Industrial Supplies, the 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Air of Excellent. 
Chavis Furniture, New Century Tires, the attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm. And, of course, you can always download the free Sound of Mobile app. That's a free downloadable app to any Android or Apple device that you may have. Of course, you select WNSP, and you're able to interact with us on the app. Or you can give us a call at 251-694-1055. Coming to you live from Radio Row face-to-face for the first time locked on SEC host Chris Gordy joins us now Chris man it's been a very busy two days and we're all locked in here at SEC media days yeah it's been a lot of fun guys good to be here with you in person and uh, put uh, put a face with a name finally but uh, no it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and you know obviously you know some of the big storylines we were you know, worry, or thinking of coming into the week was, you know, first and foremost, Kirby kind of answering for, you know, the off-field transgressions from his players with the speeding and all that and kind of having to face that. Hugh Freeze getting to face the SEC, you know, a second time around and talking about getting a second opportunity. And uh, and then Zach Arnett today, the, the you know, unfortunate, you know, he gets his dream job, gets to be a head coach in, in the SEC, but it comes at the cost of, you know, the passing of Mike Leach. So a, a lot of interesting storylines throughout the week but uh i just love this time of year guys because everyone's undefeated everyone's everyone does not have a loss and it's just so funny everyone is optimistic uh out of this world and we, we very rarely hear like of the problems this week of like hey you know i don't know if our secondary is going to hold up like nobody ever says that this week yeah you brought up kirby and hugh were you surprised at kind of the lack of contra i mean I, I think it was pat 40 someone stood up and asked about, about about the speeding about the uh the speeding controversy and, you know, it was kind of a, a – there was no drama there. And then I don't think anyone asked Hugh Freeze about any of his past transgressions. Do you expect a, a few more fireworks in the media room today? Yeah, I just thought it was an opportunity for Kirby to shut it down. Like, dude, you're one of the best defensive coaches. You you coached under Nick Saban, who's a disciplinarian and, and has control of his team and is a no-nonsense coach. I just – like, why didn't Kirby just put his foot down and go – Guys, next person get pulled over, you're suspended three games. Like, you know, just, like, put your foot down and say, stop speeding. Like, stop, you know. And it's everything from guys getting tickets to guys getting arrested. But it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, you're you're the back-to-back reigning national champs. Get control of your, you know, it's not even the craziest activity. Like, you know, one guy I think was going, like, 62 and a 40. It's not crazy, but like, why are you doing that? Well, I, I think that it definitely gets magnified for two reasons. You're the back-to-back national champions, and any problem or transgression that occurs on your campus is going to be magnified. And the second reason is because there was a depth involved yep. right after you win in the national championship. Now, of course, speeding can lead to deaths, but because that depth did occur for staffers with Georgia, that was the biggest part or problem that I think Kirby's really continuing to to have to deal with yeah and that's i mean you bring up a great point that's that's exactly what what happened and uh you know again it's it's crazy that you know that's their biggest issue this week you know yeah. everything else is like yeah yeah you replace stetson bennett with carson back yeah i think you'll be fine there uh you know rotation of running backs you'll be fine there yeah. wide receiver you add rara thomas and dominic lovett you bring back brock bowers i mean it's like Everything on Georgia is just set up for success, and 
I think, you know, everybody else in the SEC has a lot of questions where Georgia has a lot of answers. How does this compare to other SEC media days you've been to? Obviously, the first one in Nashville, and they, Greg Sankey made the big announcement that I guess we're going to be going to Dallas next year. Yeah, well, for years, Steve Spurrier was the highlight of SEC media days. I mean, he was always up there taking shots at people. Um, you know, I guess Lane Kiffin is kind of that now. I'm hoping Lane takes some shots. we got to get something Yeah, I mean, take some digs, man. He, he loves to do it on social media. He goes after Eli Drinkwitz and Jimbo and all those guys. So I hope Lane gives us a little entertainment. entertainment. But that's just somebody was just telling me a few minutes ago. They said there's no real, like, overarching storyline so far this week. It's been kind of quiet. Maybe that's a good thing. But, you know, you think back to recent years. We had NIL and all the fallout from that. We had, you know, two years ago the breaking news of the conference expansion. And we're adding Texas and Oklahoma. We had, you know, the COVID year. How do we get back to football and all this? There's always been some overarching big storyline the past few years. And this year there, there really isn't one other than is Georgia maybe, you know, in the, I talked to Tony Barnhart. He goes, you know, very often we don't recognize history while we're in it. But we're in history. If Georgia wins this again and they make it a three-peat, we're literally talking about Alabama and Nick Saban having one of the greatest runs in the history of college football. And we very well could be talking about right now Kirby Smart and Georgia having one of the greatest runs in the history of college football. Michael Braun and I were talking about GOAT status. At point, what point in time do you reach that? And, and was not really asked of Kirby I think it will be this time next year if they do three-peat. And Kirby said, look, I just think about 24 hours. I think about the next 24 hours that are in front of me from a game-to-game standpoint. And, again, no fireworks by Kirby, but pivoting over to what we heard and saw from the Auburn Tigers and Hugh Freeze, I think – Jarquez Hunter, is that's to me the storyline, really, because he said he couldn't address it due to university policies, but that's a huge question mark. Is he? Is he not? Can you have that reliability, that dependability, an all-SEC type performer running back may or may not be available in game one for the Auburn Tigers? Well, let's call it what it is, guys. If this were the fourth string running back at Auburn, he would have been cut. It would have been, you know, that's, that's that. When it's a player like this, you start looking around, not really saying looking for excuses, but looking for, all right, uh, let's let this thing play out a little bit. Let's uh, let's draw this out and let everybody kind of forget what the initial. Well, it's university policy. Yeah, I mean, that's anytime <laughs> they go that route, it's they're trying to sidestep it. And, hey, let's hope this thing dies down in, in a couple weeks. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, whatever the, the, the punishment is here, I mean, if it is a suspension or whatever, I think the way Auburn's schedule sets up, you can, you're okay if Jarquez Hunter misses a game or so. So, you, but you're right, it is, it is something that's looming. But you know, if you watch the spring game, I, I like some of the running backs that got in there. I think they can survive a game or two without them. But no, to get into SEC play and and be a be a competitor and compete in some of these games throughout the year in the conference, they're going to need Jarquez Hunter in a big way. We brought up Auburn's schedule. Let's talk about that for a minute. Obviously, the first three games of the first three games, maybe you get challenged a little bit at Cal. Although. I'll tell you right now, if you lose to Cal, the kind of season you're hoping to have if you're Auburn, you can already throw out the window. So let's say they start 3-0, first game, of the first SEC game of the season is on the road at A&M. How critical is it for Hugh Freeze to get off to a great start winning on the road at A&M, which, you know, they're not going to be they're not gonna be 5-7 and seven terrible again. At least, you know, it's not an easy game to start your SEC tenure again. It would be a big feather in his cap to win that one right, right out of the gates. I mean, we know A&M was coming from a lot of uh, – 
you know, coming from a, a rough go last year. Now they've got Bobby Petrino as their OC, and they're trying to kind of get back to doing some of the things they can do. But I, I just think that's that's a big one from a standpoint of what comes after that if you're Auburn. Having to play Georgia the next week and then having to go to LSU the week after, you know, if you lose that A&M game, it could very well be the start of, you know, going 0-3 in the SEC. And, again, Hugh Freeze, I think the expectations are lower than year one. You kind of get a pass. I don't think anybody's expecting them to, you know, win the championship this year. But, you know, th that's a big one because you, if you lose A&M, there is potential of losing three in a row. And that would just – it would leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Chris Gordy locked on SEC, joining us live here on Radio Row. Of course, tomorrow you have Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, and Kentucky getting ready to take the podium. I know the room will continue to be overflowing with Nick Saban and what he has to say, but Billy Napier and the Florida Gators really have been hot on the recruiting trail. Not quite sure how that's going to equate for him here in year number two down in Gainesville. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of Steve Sarkeesian from a year ago where he was this big hire that everybody got excited about. Year one kind of underachieves. I think, he, I think he went five and seven in his first year in Austin. But going into year two, I think a lot of fans said, no matter what happens this year, we can't move on from him because he's recruiting so well. And, and that's when Sark brought in Arch Manning. I think Billy Napier's kind of in that same boat where I'm not saying he gets a pass this year. If he goes five and seven, they may just decide to move on. But six and six, seven and five, again, what does it look like? Did you get blown out in a bunch of those games? But um, I think if he's six and six, seven and five, I think he stays because what's on the horizon with uh, DJ Lagway and all, all the different pieces they have coming in uh, in that 2024 recruiting class. So I, I'm, I've seen some of the sports books as Florida at five and a half. I would absolutely hit the over there. I think you're Florida. If you can't get to six and six, we got some major issues. You got the swamp. You got all these resources. You better be able to win at least six games. So I'm optimistic on Florida. I'm optimistic on Kentucky. I, I like Mark Stoops a lot. He always has tough, hard-nosed defenses. They're getting back to their bread and butter of what they did two years ago with Will Levis. They're bringing back Liam Cohen. And they're bringing over Devin Leary, who's a good quarterback. And I think if all goes right, as good as Will Levis was two years ago, I think Devin Leary could, has a chance to be even better. And that's saying something because people thought Will Levis was going to be a first-round pick before he started falling on the night of the draft. Obviously, the SEC East is Georgia and everyone else, but I think a lot of people assume that second team is, is Tennessee. Is it possible that, you know, Kentucky can throw their hat in the ring as, I don't think they're going to be able to challenge Georgia in the SEC East, but, you know, that second-place team there. Yeah, they, the Kentucky's got a chance. Um, I love their receivers. You know, they got a, a bunch of young guys that were freshmen a year ago, Dane Key, Barry and Brown. Uh, they bring back, I think it's, it's Tavian Robinson. I always forget that they're back-to-back -back Robinsons. But uh, they got some Wandale. Good, yeah, Wandale's gone. That's it. Tavian is back. So, uh, But they got some good weapons there and uh, and tight ends. And Devin Leary, when I talked to him a few weeks ago at the Manning Passing Academy, he said, you know, that was the big selling point to me. It was all the pieces they had here on top of bringing back Liam Cohen. That's what sold him on coming to play at Kentucky. And, again, this was a guy, when he entered the portal, he was one of the top quarterbacks in the portal. Like, that's who everybody and their brother wanted. So it was a big win for Mark Stoops at Kentucky. And uh, you got to keep an eye on Tennessee. I mean, I know Joe Milton, it's, it's funny, I haven't talked with him. He's the opposite of Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker was very, uh, you know, very very into his faith, very, uh, you know, uh, humble guy when you talk to him, a family man, all this. He was just a, a, a quiet leader, very humble. 
Joe Milton's a little bit the opposite. He's a little flashy. He was wearing his sunglasses inside when we did our interview. He was wearing a gold chain with the big number seven on it. There's nothing wrong with that, but you got to back it up. You can't be all flashy and all that and then go play out there and play mediocre ball. So uh, it's just going to be fascinating because I had a few people tell me they think Joe Milton is going to be one of these meteoric risers that if everything clicks for him this year and he goes out and he's bombs away, He'll be a first-round pick next year in the NFL draft, and uh, that's saying something. Josh Heifel will really be f- uh, cooking with fish grease if he goes from Hendon Hooker to Joe Milton get, becoming a first-round pick to suddenly Tennessee's back. I know they're, they're already yelling that Tennessee's back. They're not there yet. Nico Amaleva waiting but, in the wings, yeah, too. But if they go 10, 11 wins this year, yes, Tennessee's absolutely back. South Carolina Gamecocks coming up on Thursday. Rattler returning as their quarterback. I think he's maybe one of the most underrated returning players in the SEC. He's good, but he's got one of the worst offensive lines in front of him. And we saw that last year. He got sacked a ton. I mean, you know, we talk about his arm. He didn't even have time to throw. We couldn't even see his arm in some games because he was literally getting the ball and he had pressure in his face immediately. So I'm a little disappointed. I thought South Carolina... I like Shane Beamer a lot. I thought they would have addressed that through the transfer portal, maybe getting some some bigger O linemen and the D linemen for that matter. They're they're undermanned on the on the defensive line, so uh, that's where I think it's going to hurt South Carolina. They hired uh, Dow, Dow Loggins from uh, Arkansas uh, as their OC. I thought they were going to go after a big name guy and you know a Kendall uh, uh, Kendall Bryles or, or Garrett Riley, somebody like that. They went with Dow Loggins, and Shane Beamer got all defensive about it in the spring. He's like, oh, I think this guy's great. Everybody's like, okay, well, chill out. We'll see. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, as much as I like South Carolina, look, they got hot, and they, they beat Tennessee, and they beat Clemson. Those were monster wins for them towards the back end of the year. But uh, I still have so many questions about their offensive line, I think, getting Georgia early in the year. they're gonna have The, the losses are going to mount very quickly. Well, you had to know it was coming, Chris. This is going to be the highlight of my week. You knew I was going to ask you in person who's starting at quarterback for Alabama Some, against Texas. Somebody told me yesterday it's Ty Simpson. Really? Yeah. Who told you that? Somebody I trust. So <laughs> they, they think Ty Simpson. I said Ty be Simpson guy. yesterday too. Yeah. A few. But week, only to be different. A few weeks ago it was Jalen Milrow. Yeah. I mean, and then and then I heard I think it was Greg McElroy said yesterday you know, Tyler Booker didn't go there and not play. So that's, that's what happened here. That's what everyone said. Yeah. Oh, they didn't bring in Tyler same thing about for nothing. Spencer Sanders at Ole Miss. He didn't go there to not play. So, I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting, but I'll go with the latest flavor of the week. We'll go Ty Simpson Simpson. then. Absolutely (laughs) love it. Week to week, Michael Bronner will make sure he asks Chris Gordy. And probably after week one, when they play (laughs) Middle Tennessee, he'll continue to ask who who that will be as well. Chris Gordy, always locked on the SEC, joining us live here from Radio Row, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Grand Hyatt. Hotel is where we are located. Want to thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. How can people follow all the great continuous coverage of SEC Media Days and all the hype that's going to be leading up to kickoff? Yeah, just locked on SEC wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're on YouTube, of course. You get the video version. And uh, up there today, our interview with Brian Kelly, LSU head coach, yesterday, where we found out he is not a believer in Bigfoot or the Loch Ness monster. So go check that out. Uh, those two things are very interesting. That's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Air of Excellent New Century Tiles, the attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm. Thank you for listening and tuning in to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back.
War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSP. Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner joining you here live. 2023 SEC Media Days. Want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies and the 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Keesler Federal Credit Union, the CART Doctor, and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. And, you know, Michael, it's one of those days to where if you are a Mississippi State Bulldog fan, you know that WRSP is the place to be, isn't it? it? It really is. Not only that, though, you know, Mike Leach and Commissioner Sankey yesterday not wearing the necktie in honor of Coach Leach and the fact that you have the next head coach that was tagged to take his place in place already at Mississippi State, Zach Arnett is the new head football coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Really hit the ground running once that interim tag was removed. And, of course, Joey Jones on his staff. You have also Josh Flowers being recruited by Mississippi State as he was in our studio. He proudly wears the maroon and white of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. But as far as having an opportunity to talk to Zach Arnett, the head football coach at Mississippi State. We are also able to talk to Will Rogers, one of the quarterbacks who Jim Nagy and the senior bowl staff are really taking an opportunity to take a look at. Jaden Crumity and Jaquavius Marks also joining us Got all the Mississippi the final State drive and look forward to sitting back and, and for you to have an opportunity to hear what these players and the head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs had to say today at the 2023 SEC Media Days. 2023 SEC Media Days coming to you live from Nashville, Tennessee. Mississippi head football coach joining us this afternoon. Coach, thank you. How's Media Days been treating you so far? Yeah, it's been good so far. It's exciting to be here. Obviously, uh, I think most coaches, you kind of view media days as the unofficial kickoff to the start of football season. So get your competitive juices flowing, get you energized and uh, uh, ready to go for the work ahead. Coach, you had an opportunity to take over in a tragic situation. I know that that's something all college football fans, including the commissioner, addressed early. I know that it's going to be probably a, a a season of, of really a lot of emotions, not only for you, but your players. But talk about that a little bit. Well, obviously, we wish it was under different circumstances, to say the least, right? Coach Leach is a legend. He's one of a kind. Uh, you know, you it can't be understated how the impact he has had on a game of football and his influence on, particularly in the passing attack. And so uh, we lost we lost a legend, but, you know, there's still going to be a football season, right? And they're still going to put the ball down, and there's going to be a winner, winner and a loser. So we got to go to work. That's what training camp's about. We got to go to work so we can be the best football team we can be. And, uh, I'm confident with the guys we got in our locker room, the coaches we got on staff. Right, if, we, if we get to work and we show up prepared, we'll line up versus anybody. A couple of those coaches you have on staff are former South Alabama coaches. Coach Campbell and Coach Jones, I know what they mean to Mobile, Alabama, and have meant to South Alabama. The influence that they're having on your staff. Yeah, you know, they're former head coaches of South Alabama. They're actually former assistants at Mississippi State, too. So they got, you know, it's tremendous value to you when you have former head coaches on your staff because they give you sounding boards to bounce idea off of talk to uh those guys have had tremendous careers right they're tremendous recruiters 
Um, and so to have them on the staff working is, uh, is an incredible benefit to me. Divisionless football in 2024. You finish up 2023 SEC West. I know you want to be the SEC West champion. Talk about divisionless football, but trying to take care of 2023, winning the SEC West. Yeah, we don't talk nothing about 2024 in our building, right? It's all our focus is on 2023. Uh, there ain't no weeks off in this league, right? I mean, every week you're playing someone who's one of some of the best football programs in the country. And so we'll worry about 2024 when we get to it. But I'm confident Commissioner Sankey and everyone else involved, you know, going to that divisionless format, like you said, they've done everything they can to make make strength of schedule as equitable across the league as, as possible. And uh, we're going to have some opportunity to play in some great locations. But we, we got to focus on the task at hand, and that's taking care of business in 2023. Stark Vegas, what makes it so great for the fans and yourself to, to give you the emotions of coming out as the first time as the head coach of the Bulldogs? Well, you just said, you just said what makes it great. Obviously, it's our fan base, right? I mean, without a doubt, it is the most loyal fan base in all of college athletics. Anyone will tell you, Starkville, Mississippi is a special place. Right? Those cowbells certainly go a long way in, in creating that environment. Uh, we have we have tremendous support from our fans. I think anytime anyone ever comes to Starkville and experiences that they want to come back. Coach, can't thank you enough for your time. Wish you the best in 2023 for sure. Yeah, thank you very much. Hail State. All right, here at SEC Media Days in Nashville, Mississippi State starting quarterback, longtime quarterback Will Rogers. Will, how you doing, man? How's it feel to be in Nashville? Doing well. How y'all doing? Very good. So, Will, obviously, you know you've been in the SEC a long time. You're uh, one of the veteran returning quarterbacks in the SEC. You know, what is it What is it like to have played in the SEC for so long? Uh, I mean, it's, it's been a long time coming. I've played a, played a lot of snaps uh, in this league, so uh, it's been cool. I mean, I think to be able to play against the best competition year in and year out, uh, that only benefit me coming uh, for years ahead. Well, I'm going to ask you this. Um, do you at all feel slept on in, in any kind of way? You know, I'm not saying you're not talked about as one of the, the greats in the league, but as far as the SEC goes, so deep at the quarterback position, do you have any kind of chip on your shoulder of feeling slept on in any way? Oh, I mean, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, I can confidently say I think I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the league and in the country, uh, but, you know, that's that's – that's for me to handle, you know, I don't get to talk about it. I get to, you know, put it into action and show show people about it. So, uh, you know, I kind of leave the, the talking and the rankings for other people to do. That's not my job. So I think my job is to go in and compete week in and week out and, you know, try and give the uh, my team the best chance to win. You're looking at two guys who it is our job to rank quarterbacks in the SEC. We've talked a lot about it. You know, it's it's an interesting situation this year. It feels like there's not, you know, that superstar that there's been in the SEC in years past. But, you know, you're right near the top of the of these of these quarterbacks in the SEC. So, you know, what do you make of kind of the quarterback hierarchy across the conference right now? Oh, I mean, there's great quarterback. I mean, you look at every every school is going to have a dude at quarterback. You know, that's just the that's just the nature of the game now. I mean, a lot of the schools some of the quarterbacks might not have played yet and you know might not have got a chance to prove that they're an elite quarterback but you know they they I can assure you that whoever's playing quarterback in an SEC school is a really really good player so you're a native of Brandon Mississippi what does it mean to represent your home state oh, it means everything you know that's that's kind of why I chose Mississippi State is because I want to stay in state and play for my home state yeah, and a question kind of similar to that one, us being in Mobile, Alabama, the Iron Bowl is always a topic of discussion, but talk about that Egg Bowl and what that rivalry means with Ole Miss. 
Oh, it's everything to us, man. That's that's really uh, when we get to that week, that's all we care about. And you know that game just carries a little extra extra motivation to it, and that's all we really care about at Mississippi State is winning that game. So. How are things going with Coach Barbe? Obviously, you know, impossible situation Coach Arnett is stepping into, but, you know, obviously a new type of install with Coach Barbe. How are things going this offseason? They've gone really well. Uh, you know, I think it was really big for us to get those, you know, OTAs and then spring ball. So we kind of got our, uh, our feet wet in the offense. And, you know, just now in the summer, we've gone into more detail and, you know, a lot of different looks of how we're going to get to all these different plays. So it's going really, really well, and I think he's doing a really good job. Us broadcasting from Mobile, Alabama. The Senior Bowl takes place in Mobile every year. Is that something on your radar, something you would like to do is compete at the Senior Bowl? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Senior Bowl is a huge honor, a huge privilege to be uh, accepted into and invited to every year. So, <coughs> excuse me, if I, if, that, uh, if I had that opportunity at the end of the year, uh, that would just be a huge honor and a privilege for sure. I asked you about the Egg Bowl. You know, any other rivalry in the SEC West? Obviously, the Egg Bowl is the first on your mind, but, you know, is there another rivalry that comes to mind as a game you look forward to every year? Oh, I mean, all of them. I mean, all of the SEC games, man. Every, every time you play another SEC team, it's just going to be it's going to be hard and it's going to be a, a dog fight to the end. So, obviously, the Egg Bowl is at the top, but then every, every other one ain't far behind. Any quarterbacks, maybe NFL guys, any guys you like to watch tape of and model, model yourself after? Um, honestly, just like watching Burrow. Burrow's really great. Uh, I think he's really good because, you know, he's, he's extremely talented, but, you know, uh, he might not have, like, the, the crazy arm talent like Mahomes or some of these other guys have. But, you know, he's just so mechanically right. His feet are always right, and, you know, he's always making the right play. Will Rogers, Mississippi State, thank you so much, Will. Sir, go have a good one. Here at SCC Media Days 2023, Mississippi State running back Jaquavius Marks joins myself and Michael Bronner. Jaquavius, how we doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good. Yeah, you're from the Atlanta area. Talk about representing Atlanta and coming out of the state of Georgia to Mississippi State and what that's been like. Uh, it's been good. Um, coming to Starkville, pretty um, small town, um, not like Atlanta, big city. So I, um, I got used to it pretty fast. Um, that's where I want to be. I want to be around in big city. Just knowing there's more trouble you can get into and more people. You and me both, man. I'm not a big city guy either. What's the best part about living in Starkville? Uh, you know everybody. Basically, you know everybody. Um, you can go anywhere, somebody know you. Um, so that's probably the biggest part that I like about it and the food. What's your favorite food? My favorite food? Yeah. So I'm pretty basic. Um, I say steak, hamburgers, chicken. Hey, can't go wrong. Um, we just talked to Will Rogers, your quarterback there at Mississippi State. Talk about your relationship with him and what you think of him as a player. Uh, we've been having a um, good relationship since um, coming out of high school. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player, um, great leader, great player, great person. Um, good, good person to be around out of football and football. So it's probably a big thing on his end. How has Coach Arnett started to kind of lay his philosophy down, obviously stepping into an almost impossible situation, but, you know, someone's got to coach the team, so how has he, how has he kind of already started to lay the groundwork for his coaching philosophy? Uh, he's inputted some Coach Leach um, stuff, so he's bringing some of his in. Coach Leach, um, he's coming with a lot of toughness and a lot of, like, you got to own this, you got to own the line of scrimmage, own the defense, and own everything you it's not given, it's earned. So he lived by that, and 
he was a defensive coordinator, so they have a different mindset on defense. That, that was the next thing I was going to ask you. Obviously, Coach Leach was, you know, air raid. It was, uh, it was throw, throw, throw. Now Coach Arnett comes in with a defensive emphasis. You know, how does that change what you do as a running back? Uh, def most defensive coordinators want to run the ball to keep the defense on the sideline a little longer and not just throwing the ball so much and you're going out quick so your defense got to be back on the field. That's right. Playing running back at Mississippi State has been a tough task in an air raid offense, but now, you know, he wants to, he wants to run the ball. You're, like, you're going to be a huge part of the offense this year. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty I like I like that I like that talk right there. Um, just knowing that I'm finna run the ball a lot and be utilized as a running back, and hey, the lead turned into the same thing, pro style offense, and I'm not catching the ball out of the backfield 15, 20 times. Maybe away from SEC media days here is a lot of news out of the NFL in the running back position. Guys not getting contracts they'd like. But uh, being the running back you are, talk about what the position of running back means to you. Uh, I think the running back position is really the toughest position on the offense because you you getting hit every play. You got to block 300-pound linemen, defensive linemen, so it's pretty a tough um, position to play. Yeah, definitely needs to be a respected position. I believe that. Um, but are there any personal goals for yourself that you've set out for this year? Uh, just says win every week that's it i'll ask you the same question we've asked will rogers um talk about that egg bowl and coming to the state of mississippi did you know about the importance of that game the size of that game and what it means to you now i really didn't know about the game um i watched it my first time watching it they was playing that old miss and i really didn't didn't really understand like their feeling about it, but like I watched like from my hometown, Georgia versus Georgia Tech, so I knew it. I knew it had a meaning. Then I had to go to one. Then my first year I played in it, it was pretty intense. They was I'm like the whole week, everybody was going crazy. I'm like, okay, we just going down the road. It's another game. And then my second year, I really understand it, and now I just feel like my enemies they down the street yeah we run the state <laughs> that's right um running backs you might watch be fan of uh model your game after alvin kamar hey can't go wrong there we hear you jaquavius mark running back mississippi state we really appreciate your time no problem Stephen Root here at SEC Media Days 2023 with Mississippi State defensive tackle Jaden Crumity. Jaden, how are you? I'm good. How about you? Doing well. You've been around the program a long time. We know about the, the tragic loss of Coach Mike Leach and what that has meant to that program. Just talk about where the program stands today, how everybody is doing. Uh, we, we're really doing, we're doing good. We're doing better than, uh, better than before because, you know, everybody picks each other up every day, uh, especially when it, when it all went down. Everybody picked each other up, uh, making sure that everyone, you know, always good and continue to, you know, focus on football and focus on each other's mental health and things like that. Being from the state of Mississippi to play at Mississippi State, was that a dream of yours growing up? Uh, no, it, it really wasn't a dream of mine growing up. I just, you know, at the time when uh, it came down to me, you know, deciding where I wanted to go, it just felt like a home, uh, and people showed love when I had went to Mississippi State on my official visit, so ended up going there. Well, being a defensive tackle, you see the best offensive lines in the country along the SEC. Is there any that stand out in particular, or just what's it like going up against that level of talent all the time? Uh, for me, I would say... Uh, 
really going up against uh like you know SEC talent uh offensive linemen it's 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 really I mean it's hard sometimes but at the same time it's fun because you get to uh you know experience different people and you know go against different people uh and you know find out what you can do on different uh on different kind of you know sets that they give how tough is it on you to get to Will Rogers on a daily basis in practice? Tell us a little bit about quarterback Will Rogers. <laughs> I mean, he he likes to you know try to you know trick us out sometimes, but like I mean, we we really do a good job of uh, you know keeping him in the pocket or you know trying to make him flush out sometimes. Um, but we, we, I mean, we we really keep him on his toes, you know, and it's it really fun though. Being the senior that you are and us broadcasting out of Mobile, Alabama, the Senior Bowls, big deal in, in the city of Mobile. Is that something that's been on your radar and something you'd like to do is play in the Senior Bowl? Yeah, it's been on my mind. Uh, you know, I mean, I know that it'll be a fun experience and, you know, to put my name out there even more and to show that I can even play with uh, different uh, different guys and learn a new playbook easily. So, yeah, it, it, it'll be fun. Jaden Crumity, defensive tackle, Mississippi State. Appreciate your time, man. Appreciate it. Welcome back. 2023 SEC Media Days coming to you live from the Grand Hyatt and Radio Row. We want to thank Supplies. We want to also thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies. 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by the attorneys at Hedge, Copeland Law Firm, and Eagle Dent Repair. Of course, coming back after the break, we'll have Jalen Mahoney and Ethan Barr, two players that represented the Commodores from Vanderbilt, coming up next here on The Final Drive. This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 105.5 WNSB. here on WNSP 105.5 coming to you live from Radio Row and earlier today of course you had Vanderbilt's head coach Clark Lee bringing in his players Jalen Mahoney along with Ethan Barr both on the defensive side of the football we had an opportunity to see what they were wanted to do in regards to how everything was going for Vanderbilt. Nashville, Tennessee, SEC Media Days 2023. The Vanderbilt Commodores take the podium today. And a couple of players here with me this afternoon. And I'll let them introduce themselves and their positions for the Vanderbilt Commodores. My name is Ethan Barr. I play linebacker. My name is Jalen Mahoney. I play safety. Both these young men are representing Vanderbilt. You guys are in your own backyard. Talk about how it feels not to have to travel far, but to get all the attention for Nashville and be able to represent Vanderbilt. Yeah, it's been really nice to have it in Nashville, close to home, obviously. Uh, we were able to like work out this morning and then come over here, so it doesn't really change our normal day today, So, which is nice, but it's, it's a good experience to be here, and I'm really happy it's in Nashville. Yeah, I, I like the fact that it's right down the road because like it doesn't change anything about our days, but uh, this morning was kind of chaotic, though, trying to uh, work out and then get in the suits and then get over here to the media day, so we are blessed for the uh, opportunity, though. Both y'all brothers looking kind of clean today, SEC Media Days. That's a necessity to come clean. Now, I will ask you this. Vanderbilt's going through transition, just like downtown Nashville, the renovations of the stadium, the growth 
of the athletic program. Talk to us about the happiness or the joy that you're seeing as a student athlete growing. Yeah, I think getting recruited here, we, we heard so much about the facility renovations that would be coming, and it was never delivered until just recently now. So we're really excited to be a part of Vanderbilt when this time is coming around, and we're excited to see what it looks like for future players. Yeah, we're definitely excited to see what the future of Vanderbilt is going to look like with the Vandy United project. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of uh, significant for us, too, uh, because we kind of won't be seeing it, but or use the facilities, but um, we can always say that, you know, we had a part in, um, like, in a legacy of, you know, the, the new facilities that's being built and stuff like that, so. Cam Johnson from Mobile, Alabama, joined you guys as an incoming freshman. Have you guys had an opportunity to kind of network and, and learn a little bit about him and learn a little bit about Mobile, Alabama from him? <laughs> I'm still getting to know Cam a lot. I know he is a great player that I've kind of talked to a little bit here and there just about football. Um, and he's made some really good plays so far since he's been here. I'm excited to see kind of where he can grow into. He's got a big, big body, big frame. Um, so, yeah, Cam's a really nice dude. Uh, his lock is like a couple rows from mine, uh, but he's he's he seems pretty cool. Uh, I've had a couple conversations with him. Uh, you know, I feel like he'll help us win, especially. Uh, yeah, he'll help us win this season. My mom's a Vanderbilt graduate, so I'm going to say anchor down for her as well. Wish you guys the best of luck. Hearing from Vanderbilt Commodores, Jalen Mahoney and Ethan Barr, both on the defensive side of the football for Clark Lee. And the Vanderbilt Commodores, we know downtown Nashville's undergoing a lot of construction right here in front of the Grand Hyatt. But construction going on at their new playing facility that they're trying to build to keep up with the arms race. We know Florida wants to dump $400 million into the swamp. Vanderbilt coming off a lot of bucks as well and we'll be right back to get ready for the top of the hour put the finishing touches on hour number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Jake Tilker, quarterback at Alabama. And when I'm listening to the radio, I'm listening to WNSP. Welcome back to Radio Row here in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, located at the Grand Hyatt Hotel. We definitely want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, the 2023 SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets, brought to you by Dixie Supply, Rich's Car Wash, LNS Air Conditioning, and Ward International Trucks. And, Michael, I know that during the 5 o'clock hour, we have an absolutely loaded hour for you. You're talking to DJ Shockley. He won the 2005 SEC Championship for the Georgia Bulldogs. You've seen him on the SEC Network, along with now working for Fox 5 in Atlanta. He's also the sideline reporter for the Georgia Bulldogs in their two national championship games. We'll also be joined by Cole Kublik, the legendary... Gary Danielson from CBS. Of course, this is CBS's final year with the SEC. I had an opportunity to catch up with Gary Danielson earlier. And, of course, the Auburn players, Cam Stutz and Elijah McAllister, you'll also hear from them. So a jam-packed and exciting last hour here of day number two on the final drive coming to you. And as we continue to 
to set the table and look at and look forward to tomorrow. Again, we mentioned tomorrow's scheduled teams, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, and Kentucky. So I know that all those schools right there have fanatical fan bases, and it'll be fun to hear what the head coaches have to say. And all eyes and ears definitely will be on Nick Saban because you know he's going to address NIL. You know he's going to address the quarterback room just like he's had to do since spring practice really ended and since then he brings in a transfer quarterback so it'll be a lot of fun yeah we had two full rooms today for for uh, kirby and hugh i honestly i couldn't decide which room was more full for kirby or for hugh i will say steven and i were able to find seats next to each other in the big room for kirby to speak whereas not able to do that for hugh freeze to speak so you know maybe there were more people in there for hugh freeze speaking whereas tomorrow Man, I mean, Nick Saban is uh, Nick Saban's another ball game. That <laughs> good luck getting a seat in the big room, in the little room, wherever. You know, we'll try to uh, we'll try to get as much Nick Saban content as we can tomorrow. But definitely, everyone, that's, everyone else is thinking the same thing. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see if we get any legendary sound bites out of him. If someone has the bravery to ask him a stupid question, you think we get a Nick Saban, uh, you know, butt chewing tomorrow? No, I don't think that's uh, going to happen. I really hope I, we I do. think there'll be one kind of comment. What can we What can we ask him to make that happen? Hey, look, there are plenty of things that you could ask Nick that he'll either ask you to repeat the question to make sure he heard it correctly or go ahead and, and ask him, tell him who's going to be the starting quarterback, Michael Bronner. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I want, you and Chris Gordy both have already, y'all have Co your weekly Co segment. Coach, week one, I, I, I just got to know, you know, and, and, and you know, I, whether you know or not, who, who are you leaning towards for the starting quarterback right now, Coach? And, and I know what, that What that do you be, think his response would be if I actually asked him that question, a question that foolish? The, the rest of the room will definitely know where he stands on any more questions coming forward about Coach, the quarterback? Coach Michael Bronner, 105.5 WNSP in Mobile, Alabama. I just want to know, who is your starting quarterback? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now, I will say this. Urban Meyer knew who his starting quarterback was when he was at Florida winning national championships. And, you know, as college football gets ready to start, Netflix is having their untold documentary about football in the swamp. Mm. And I look forward to really hearing and seeing what Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow and really, you know, you can say what you want to about the type of swagger, whether you liked it or you didn't like it, of the Florida Gators, but all they did was win. Yeah, man, that's going to that's gonna be under the category of must-watch, isn't it? It really is. I mean, just like quarterback is a must-watch on Netflix from the NFL standpoint. I still got to get around to that. Look, I know we've been so busy, and that's going to be a lot of fun to see. But anytime Netflix digs in and you can see the life of Johnny Manziel unfold in front of you along with Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer, that always makes for must-watch television. And as, again, the Florida Gators getting ready and Billy Napier tomorrow to approach the stage, that will definitely probably be a topic of conversation on how that can go ahead and affect the branding of your program, whether it be nationally or not. Our number three of the final drive coming up here live from Radio Row, Grand Hyatt Hotel, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Corey Labounty and Michael Brauner look forward to, again, 
a very exciting hour number three coming up. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets will continue right after this. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you live here from Radio Road, downtown Nashville at the Grand Hyatt. Again, day number two of SEC Media Days, and we want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, the 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Air of Excellence. Tavis Furniture, New Century Tires, the attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm, and Eagle Dent Repair. And Michael Bronner, people can always download the free Sound of Mobile app. Can and should. It is a free download to where you can download it to any Android or Apple device that you may have to correspond with us in the app. Or you can give us a call at 251 694 1055 and we mentioned our number three it's coming to you hot and heavy and there's an excited edition of our number three as we will be bringing you interviews by dj shockley the former sec championship quarterback for the georgia bulldogs along with cole kublik we'll also have auburn players cam studs and elijah McAllister, the legendary gary danielson from cbs sports You'll hear from him right around 5.30 here in the third hour of the final drive coming to you live from Radio Row. And we'll jump right in to our interview earlier today with SEC championship quarterback from the Georgia Bulldogs, DJ Shockley, who has the opportunity to have been the sideline reporter for the Georgia Bulldogs, along with working at Fox 5 in Atlanta, Georgia. DJ Shockley joining us earlier today here on Radio Row. 2023 SEC Media Days coming to you from the Grand Hyatt, downtown Nashville, Georgia, taking the podium today, back-to-back -to -back national champions. And I tell you, someone that I'm speaking with now couldn't be more happier to see the Georgia Bulldogs become a three-time national champion this year if they're able to pull it off. Former quarterback and SEC champion for the Georgia Bulldogs, DJ Shockley, joining me this afternoon on the final drive. DJ, thanks. How's everything going? I mean, things are good. I mean, you got these fresh red J's on that I'm liking, you know, representing the dogs real well. I know that ain't going to go over well in your territory. But, uh, no, nah, all is good, man. Excited to be here. Obviously, when talking season starts, football is right around the corner, and uh, I'm excited about it. 
SEC Media Days, I mean, they say the SEC just means more. I know you had an opportunity to experience this as a player, now having a chance to cover for Fox 5, covering the Georgia Bulldogs, back-to-back -back national champions. You're happy when you win one, yeah. and then you go back-to-back. -back. The opportunity to have that three-peat, can it be done, or is the bullseye going to be too big? You know what is interesting? I've had the chance to be on the sideline and be the – I'm the sideline analyst for him, you know, last two years. So I get a chance to be around his team and see him in the locker room, see how they practice, see how they travel, all this kind of stuff. And each year you're like, man, it's tough to get it done. But you get that first one, like you said, it felt great. But to be back at it, be 15-0, and 0, and to get it again, you're like, that's just unbelievable. But when you look at going up for a three-peat, you think about how Kirby's built his program. And you think about how the type of players that he's recruited and the standard that he, he sets every single day with his team, you say, why not? I mean, obviously, you, you look around the East and you say, hey, it's a favorable schedule for the dogs. They played pretty well inside the East. And, you know, the challenges have been when you get to that other side, you play, you know, uh, Alabama or LSU in the West, and uh, it makes it a little bit tougher. But I think this team is just as talented as the last two teams. And obviously, it's going to come down to that quarterback spot, but they're going to be really good on defense. They got a lot of guys who played last year who were young players. Now they can fill in the role of some of those veteran guys, experienced offensive line. Uh, Kirby's going to keep some running backs in there. And this may be the deepest they've ever been at receiver. So it's going to be fun, fun to watch this team. And I think they're just as talented as the last two years and got a chance to do it again. Everybody always wants to know about the quarterback position. I know it's near and dear to your heart. Of course, you look at Stetson Bennett and, and the guy, kind of the little engine that could. And, and people say the little engine that could not. He just proved all his haters wrong and kept going. Finds his way into the NFL. Is that type of quarterback on Georgia's roster right now? Oh, they absolutely do. I mean, you got three guys who are highly recruited players who came in. Carson Beck is a guy that everybody thinks is probably going to win the job. Uh, you, you got Gunnar Stockton, a very talented kid. We have Brock Vandegrift, who uh, people believe it's a race between those two guys. Athletic kid. Uh, but Carson is the type of player, like, I like to, I get a chance to be on the sideline, and I stand next to him every single week, and he's talking about things that's going on during the game. He's talking about the process. And to be honest, he thought he was going to be the guy last year, and Stetson came back. So he mentally was ready to go last year and step into that role. Uh, but I think they absolutely have a quarterback. And the one thing that, that reassures me is that is I played for the guy that's the offensive coordinator now, Mike Bubble. I played for him. He was my quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator. So I know one thing is going into any ball game, that position is going to be prepared and ready to go. So it's going to be fun to see how those guys progress through camp. But knowing the guy that they have in Mike Bobo and how Coach Smart goes about his program, that guy – won't be the reason why they don't go to the national championship. That guy will be the reason because. We're speaking with DJ Shockley, 2005 SEC championship quarterback with the Georgia Bulldogs. And, of course, Georgia going for their three-peat this year. DJ, also the, the biggest bullseye. It's hard, again, I mentioned earlier to, to repeat, but the, the obstacles and the distractions, what does this Georgia Bulldog have to do to rein in all those distractions? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great question because there's obviously been a lot of things going on off the field that people could say, hey, that can distract you or take you away from that three-peat. And I think Kirby does such a great job of when things happen inside his program, he attacks it head on. And I know he's already been in front of his team about all these different incidents. And he's had an opportunity to speak to these guys and understand, let them know that, hey, 
it's an honor to be here. It's a privilege to be at the University of Georgia, and nothing is given to you. And if you don't do the right things, you probably won't be here. So I think he'll he'll make sure from day one that these guys understand the main thing is the main thing. And one of the things that he's already talked about is be better than the rest. And he's already doing that now. He's stressing it. He's going about his business that way. And I know him the way I do. He won't let those things that happen outside his program affect what's happening inside the program. The late, great Vince Dooley from Mobile, Alabama, makes his way to Georgia. That was his home. And he means so much to Mobile in his roots. I know you having an opportunity to see him in your time at Georgia. What did Vince Dooley mean to you? Uh, he meant everything. I, I've had an opportunity to be around Vince a numerous amount of times, being at the University of Georgia. He always came back, um, did a couple events with him. But just the man he was absolutely resonates for everybody and he's the reason why he's one of the greatest to ever do it and one of the most genial guys you ever meet one of the guys that when you talk to him you say all right he knows exactly who you are even though the stature that he is uh he knew exactly who you are what you did and he spoke to you like you're the only person in the room and that's what really mattered he was a people person first and I think that's why his teams were so good I think that's why he was so beloved because of what he did in his career um, but Vince Dooley won't be anybody else like him. The predictions, a lot of people are going to say Georgia winning the third national championship, possibly opponent. I mean, Alabama, Georgia, that's always a blueprint for success in the SEC championship game, the excitement that's generated around that. Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch because it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens in this league. Obviously, everybody knows the West is strong. Everybody knows Alabama and Saban's going to find a way to get it done. Everybody talks about their quarterback, but Saban always finds a way to make sure his teams are ready to go and they're, you know, they're around there at the end of the season. Um, obviously, everybody talking about LSU and obviously a couple teams and, you know, other conferences that people are talking about. But, I mean, Bama's been a standard for a long time and uh, Kirby Smart came from that standard. So he's trying to keep that standard going, but also knowing that's the guy at the top you got to knock off if you want to be the best. DJ Shockley joining us here at SEC Media Days. He is covers the Georgia Bulldogs national champions back-to-back, -back, has an opportunity to win an SEC championship himself. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Live at SEC Media Days 2023 in Nashville here with SEC Network's Cole Kublik. Cole, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Having fun. You know, the big story of the day, obviously, is Georgia going for a three-peat. Do you see the SEC right now as kind of Georgia and everyone else? I think college football is Georgia and everyone else right now. It's not just the SEC. I mean, I, I think Ohio State, Michigan could have good football teams this year. Penn State could be in the mix, but they're not on Georgia's plateau. You can take any of the Pac-12 teams. They're going to have elite quarterback play. Washington, USC, maybe Oregon State, Oregon. I don't think they're on Georgia's level. Uh, you know, Florida State, Clemson. I mean, some people would have conversations about them. They're not there. So and I think Texas would be the only team in the Big 12 that I would even – have a conversation about and they're a pretty big if even though they do they've got some legit dudes but it's georgia and everybody else in college football now there are some ways that certain teams like a texas like an lsu like a washington could potentially catch them but that's why i think the number is pretty low this year of teams that can win a national title not get to the playoffs it's a very different conversation get to the playoff and then win two of those games i just don't think there's very many of them so i would probably label it more georgia and everybody else 
around the entire sport than I would just the SEC. Well, it's funny you bring up Texas. A lot of people have labeled this Alabama-Texas Week 2 game as the biggest non-conference game in Bryant-Denny history, which is really hard-pressed to argue against. It's kind of an early measuring stick for Alabama. What are you expecting to see out of that one? You know, is, is Quinn Ewers just going to come in and light up Alabama? No, that secondary is good. Dallas Turner can get to the quarterback. Jaheim Otis can get to the quarterback. I think Kevin Steele will bring a less aggressive style to Alabama's defense that won't put them in as many high-risk situations. Alabama's got corners. Alabama's got nickels and safeties that are versatile, that can move around and exchange one another. I don't think they're going to be in too many bad matchups. Now, the difference is, like, Xavier Worthy can go. Zion Naor can go. Like, they've, they got received. they got a tight end that's a mismatch against just about anybody. So, and like you said, Quinn Yours is super talented. He's played some good football. He's played some mediocre football. Um, you know, physically, are they going to be able to hold up? That'd be the question. Yeah, they did last year. They made they made Alabama sort of play their game a little bit last year. I think this will be a different Alabama football team, and they'll try to force Texas to play their style game this year, which will be a little bit more physical. Cole, week to week, I know you being a former offensive lineman, they don't get a lot of love, but if you had to look and grade out where you're seeing the SEC from an offensive lineman standpoint and from a special team standpoint, that third phase that often goes overlooked, who has the best offensive line coming in and the best special teams play? Uh, the best offensive line is Georgia going into the season. I do think that LSU is probably close. I think Alabama has a chance to take a pretty big step and be in that conversation. I think there's some underrated groups like Missouri. Uh, not only many people know about Javon Foster. I think he's the most NFL-ready tackle in the league right this second. Um, but you just think, I, I think the Ole Miss group could be pretty good. Uh, are they going to be dominant like Georgia? They're physically not capable of doing those things, but they're asked to be a different type of group. So I, I think A&M is a group that they got guys that have some really good tape and last year had some bad tape. It's not a nice way to say it. But Layden Robinson's played good football. Ruben Fotherly's played good football. So if that group finds continuity, they had a first-year head coach or offensive line coach last year in Joe Adazio who was very different than who they had before. Coach Henson, very player-friendly. Now you get an old-school guy who's kind of rough and gruff. So I think that part probably set them back a little bit. They may be a little bit more in tune this year and could have a good year. Special teams, I have no idea. I don't really care, to be honest with you. Obviously, Auburn, it's been rough on the offensive line for the last two years. And Hugh Freeze, you know, part of that 25 or whatever the number of players is that he brought in was an entirely new offensive line. You know, you being a former offensive lineman, how difficult is it going to be? You know, they brought in some talent, but, you know, part of that talent is being able to play together. So what are you expecting out of Auburn's offensive line this year? It's going to be hard. They have a couple things working for them. They have a scheme that can be offensive lineman friendly. It can... It can negate a little bit of dominance being necessary at times. Now, they would want, they still want it to be that. It's just that I think there's an understanding that utilizing tempo, spreading people out, sometimes it's not exactly what you have to be to be successful. Also, Jake Thorne's a really good offensive line coach, and I think that he'll have the ability to bring them a little bit closer and sort of build that continuity early, but that's the key. I tell people all the time, the only way to be a good offensive lineman is to do it against people trying to make you look bad at full speed. Well, the only way to be a good offensive line is to do it against people trying to make you look bad at full speed together. And they're just not going to have a ton of reps doing that. I mean, Dylan Wade was at Tulsa. Avery Jones was at ECU. Uh, you know, Gunnar Britton was at Western Kentucky. So, you know, you got a junior college kid that could come in and potentially play one of the tackle spots. Like, I, I, that part of it is going to be difficult no matter how you spin it. That's why I think the A&M game is crucial. We're going to learn right away if they're going to be able to handle it, if they're close, if it looks like it's even possible, or if it's still going to be a liability because that D-line can absolutely rip.
So I, I think they'll try to help them out with how they call things early. But you're going to have to build continuity and chemistry across the course of the season at some point in time. The good news is they have upgraded talent at almost every spot. We have they have three better tackles right now than they had last year. They have a better center than they had last year. So and then they could bump a guy like Gunnar Britton down to guard. He might be a better guard. I, mean, I think they have one guard coming back. It's going to be really good. But he could be better than the opposite guard that they had last year. So the talent upgrade is going to be significant. Now it's just finding a way to harness it, build the continuity, the chemistry, educate it, and then motivate it once you actually get into games. The motivation for the Auburn fan base coming in and selling out Jordan-Hare Stadium for the regular season, that's a new look for this era of Hugh Freeze football. I know you being a former Auburn grad, how exciting is it to see the reinvigoration of the fan base for certain? Well, it never went away. It's just a matter of, you know, were the fans, did the fans feel like it was worth, was the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak? I mean, I've, you know, it's, it's easy sometimes to look at it and say, not going to be in the bowl game that I want, not going to compete for the division, not win a championship, so why should we go? Uh, unfortunately, I would always like to see everybody want to go to the stands and be there and cheer the team on either way. But the excitement is at a level that should have been anticipated with some of the things that were going to happen. But I don't know if we could have expected all of this. I mean, you bring in the best quarterback. We mentioned all the best offensive line positions, the best tight end on the roster, the two best receivers on the roster, the best edge defender on the roster, the best nose guard on the roster, maybe the two best linebackers on the roster. Like, that gets people excited. That's the first hurdle. The next hurdle is the organization and the, the preparation and then the motivation once you actually go play. So there are still massive hurdles that lie ahead. But Hugh Freeze has leaped over the first one, maybe two, with flying colors. Last question I got for you, Cole. I know you're taking Georgia in the SEC East. If I, if I put it to you and said, you know, who's coming out of the SEC West and facing Georgia and Atlanta, who's it going to be? I'd say LSU right now. Uh, I just think there's a difference at quarterback. You have a returner that's dynamic. You have one of the best receiving cores in college football. You have one of the better offensive lines in the SEC or in college football. You have the best defensive player in the SEC, one of the best in college football. Uh, if Mason Smith and Makai Wingo are healthy, that's one of the best tandems of defensive tackles in college football. So they got a chance to be really good, man. And I think Brian Kelly has proved his worth as a head coach with what he did last year. Cole Kubelik, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks for having me. Great segment right there with former quarterback at Georgia, DJ Shockley and Cole Kublik from the SEC Network. Don't want to miss our Auburn players interview coming up next. Cam Stutz along with Elijah McAllister on the final drive coming to you live from Radio Row in Nashville, Tennessee, 2023 SEC Media Days. Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets, brought to you by the Card Doctor. Dixie Supply, Rich's Car Wash, and LNS Air Conditioning. And of course, earlier today, we had an opportunity to hear from representatives from the Auburn Tigers. Offensive lineman Cam Stutz, along with linebacker Elijah McAllister, chimed in on what it means to be an Auburn man and part of the Auburn Tiger family. SEC Media Days 2023 here in Nashville with Auburn offensive lineman Cam Stutz. 
Cam, uh, Cam, what's it like, you know, obviously Hugh Freeze has brought in a ton of new offensive linemen. What's it like being one of the holdovers from last year and trying to, you know, continue that Auburn tradition? Uh, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun uh, just bringing all those new dudes new faces is, I, I love being around people so uh, again to build chemistry with those guys and they're all doing a really good job of working hard and getting better each day so uh, it's been really fun nobody knows the defensive line like the offensive line for Auburn man give us an update on what you think of those guys and how that position has progressed they're all doing a really good job um, again just working hard taking advantage of each opportunity we get uh, we're, we were battling during the spring, and I don't expect anything less during the fall, and um, that's going to show up on the field, and iron sharpens iron. So, Cam, thank you. Thank you. Here with Auburn defensive lineman Elijah McAllister, SEC Media Days 2023. Elijah, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well. Great to see you. Um, transferred in from Vanderbilt um, with Auburn now. Coaching change. We all know what's going on at Auburn. Just talk about the transition and how comfortable you are within the program at the moment. I'm comfortable here at the program. You know, Coach Freeze leads us uh, in the right way, and I'm excited to be a part of the family. War Eagle. You are, as well as uh, co-host here, Michael Bronner um, from New Jersey, coming down south. What was the transition like to move south, and, and how, how have you been welcomed to the south? Well, I represent New Jersey everywhere I go. I've been welcomed in this house uh, greatly, uh, partly because of football, but I'm enjoying it down here, and I'm excited to continue to learn more about myself in a state like Auburn, which I haven't been for too long, but I'm excited about it. We know how talented you are in the game of football, but you were a captain on your basketball team in high school. Talk about the game of basketball, your love for that game, and how it helped you get here. Man, I love basketball. It's, it's my first love. I tell people that all the time. You know, I wasn't really great at football until about eighth grade, but you know, I played a number two, two team in the country and playing basketball. I played with three McDonald's All-Americans, and that started lining up with me. So I'm excited to, you know, um, continue to, you know, show my love for the game in a place like Auburn because Neville Arena is packed out every single day, super talented. But my love for the game of basketball has allowed me to, you know, be athletic and do different things on the field that, you know, continue to serve me well today. Well, nobody might know the offensive line better than the defensive line. Um, the Auburn offensive line, it's been a question for years, I feel like. Um, but through your eyes, how has that group come together? How would you rate them at the moment? Yeah, I mean, Coach Freeze recruited at a high level to continue to bring uh, guys in that's going to help our roster right now. Um, and there's a lot of talent in the offensive line. Those guys are uh, going to be ready to go this season. I'm excited to continue to work with them as, you know, iron sharpens iron. So I'm excited. So won't ask you, um, you know, what's going on with the quarterback position, really, but has any of those guys, Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, which one of those are harder to tackle? Well, they're both tough uh, outs, uh, in a way. You know, um, our whole quarterback room is really talented, so that's a decision Coach Freeze has to make, but I'm excited for whoever trots out there to continue to lead us uh, to victories, but they're both really talented and both really good. We broadcast in Mobile, Alabama. Got to ask you a question about the Iron Bowl. Did you know about that game growing up, and what does it mean to you to play in that game and what that game means? Of course I knew about the game. It's one of the two rivalries I wanted to play growing up with Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, Alabama, Auburn. So I'm excited to play um, in the Iron Bowl. It's something that, you know, is going to bring some joy to my heart as I'm continuing to finish out my career uh, playing uh, in the best rivalry in college football, and I'm excited to do it. All right, man, who, who is your favorite Auburn player of all time, other than yourself, right? Cam Newton, no question, man. I was in middle school watching him uh, tear up college football. He's the best college football quarterback uh, of all time and just tear up college football and winning that championship, Cam Newton, no doubt. That is Elijah McAllister, defensive lineman for the Auburn Tigers here at SEC Media Days. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, War Eagle.
here in from two Auburn players, offensive lineman Cam Stutz and linebacker Elijah McAllister here on the final drive 2023 SEC Media Days. Coming up next, Gary Danielson will be joining us on the final drive. Whether you love him or hate him, mute the television when he comes on CBS. You don't want to mute this next interview coming up with Gary Danielson as he's very candid about his career, the college football playoffs, and his time at CBS. You're listening to The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5, brought to you by Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, 2023 SEC Media hey, Days, presented by Country. Careers Markets. When I'm in my car, always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Welcome back to the Grand Hyatt downtown Nashville. Radio Row is where we are located. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, coming to you live again. The Pats Industrial Auto Supplies 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Rich's Car Watch, Dixie Supply, Keesler Federal Credit Union, and the Cart Doctor. And of course, earlier today, had an opportunity to catch up with the legendary Gary Danielson. Of course, you love him, you hate him, whether you think he's an Alabama homer or not. Oh, you know, it's Don't ask those, an Alabama fan yeah, that question. Hey, look, I, I tell you, Gary Danielson was as transparent as they come. You you could really see the emotion it's in fun. his eyes as he, I was talking he, he's to He's a guy that non-Alabama fans will say, like, he, he's a complete Alabama homer, and then Alabama fans will tell you, oh, he hates Alabama. So, you know, I'm sure the reality is certainly somewhere in the middle there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's always funny to hear people thoughts on Gary Danielson and again Gary Danielson being a former quarterback at Purdue and getting drafted into a Detroit Lions organization that was really not that good while he was there he, he knows and has great knowledge of the game and has seen it on ABC and CBS for so many years and Gary Danielson joined me earlier today at the 2023 SEC media days 2023 SEC Media Day coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Gary Danielson with CBS Sports. Of course, you know the voice. Gary, it's always a pleasure to have an opportunity to speak with you. My pleasure. It's a little different feel this year because, uh, you know, we're moving on. And uh, I guess bittersweet is the word. We're, we're, we were lucky to cover this conference for a long time. We've done our best to be true to a great product. And now we're going to do it one more time. Had a chance to talk to Uncle Vern Lundquist a couple weeks ago. He had a little oral surgery done. He had nothing but high praise to speak of you and his time there at CBS with you. When the commissioner comes up yesterday and says CBS and they're going to do a nice montage for you guys, talk about what it means for you this season. You just mentioned it moments ago, but personally for you to have a chance to see all the great coaches and athletes come through the SEC. I think uh, everybody has played their part. You know, they the commissioner's office, people like you that cover the sport, uh, the administrations with facilities, and I think the TV partners have played a part too. I think the vision of Commissioner Slive and now Sankey to place a game, and, and frankly, the CBS, uh, the original vision of CBS doing a nationally televised game of at that time a regional sport was a big step, but I think Everybody um, benefited from it. Um, I think when P 
people knew that around the country there was a destination game at 3.30, and you had the same voices, the great presentation, and of course the great level of play, it all kind of snowballed, and I, I, I humbly say that I think CBS had a part in this explosion of SEC football. Being from Mobile, Alabama, where WNSP is located, of course, you've caught a lot of great Mobile. He's from Mobile, right, Alabama, right, from right. Mobile, out where it's A.J. McCarron winning national championships, T.J. Yeldon, just so many phenomenal great athletes on the Auburn side, Nick Fairley. You just look, Roger McCreary Jr. here wow, recently, wow, just yeah. so many great per capita. Mobile, Alabama puts out more NFL prospects than anywhere in the country. And every Saturday, you have an opportunity to call those names, especially in the SEC. What is Mobile, Alabama, really, when you see it? He's from Mobile. Mobile, what does that mean to you? You know, we, uh, Brad and I did it at the Blue-Gray game back in the day, too, you know. So I just think it typifies the, the importance of college football in the South. And maybe no other city other than Mobile does that, where young kids grow up watching the SEC, then they want to be in part of the SEC and you know instead of I'm sure there's basketball players and baseball players but I think most of the young kids say well I, I want to be on TV and I want to play for my team I want to play for Alabama I want to play for Auburn whatever and I didn't even realize some of those names you do it when you're doing the game you do it but yeah the, those are great names and uh, I just think throughout the southeast it's a way of life and Everybody's in. The high schools are in. Everybody's in. So uh, that's what makes it so great. Throughout your time, so far, can you recall the most memorable call or the most memorable moment? Because you've had some blockbuster calls, some fantastic finishes. Is, is there one that sticks out in your broadcast in mind? Well, there's a bunch of them, obviously. You know, I can remember Zach Mettenberger crawling off the field against Alabama. Obviously, Joe Burrow's run, the, you know, the greatest uh, TJ running that screen pass against LSU, you know, when they, that last drive, Blake Sims with that drive where he got into overtime and then threw the, the pass over the middle. I mean, the comeback game, I can't remember who it was. I think the game probably would have been over. Defensive end chases down Richardson and punches the ball loose for a fumble that Instead of going to 35 to nothing, it was kept them in the game. So it, they all fit together. There's so much greatness in the league. But I, I guess, you know, it'd be hard not to talk about, you know, the two games, you know, the kick six game. And then this Tennessee-Alabama game was a miraculous game as well. But I think highlighted for us in our run were the matchups of the LSU-Alabama games. The game of the century, the 9-6 game, the rematch, the games back and forth at each of the, the two places where it meant so much because of Nick's connection with LSU. I think in our my run, the matchup of LSU and, and Alabama, just on the whole and all the great players, I think that one game uh, when Burrow played against an injured two when he came back, I think there were on both offenses 20 uh, NFL players playing in the game. 
Gary, I can't thank you enough for what you've given college football. Whether people mute the television or turn it up, one of the two, you know, it's kind of the quarterback position. Either they love you or hate sure. you. I mean, you were in the franchise with the Detroit Lions where you probably got booed or, or your own fans used to boo you. But it, it, it's the love-hate relationship that you do have with the fans. Well, let's put it in perspective. I, I, I'm aware of it. Sometimes I hate it because <clears throat> it's just about me and I want our team to be respected for what we do. Okay, that's number one. Number two is, I've never been disrespected in person in the 17 years. People have always been polite. They may kid me a little bit. That's all fine. But overall, you know, the people in this league, as passionate as they are, and it's passionate, still are polite enough the way they should be to the people involved, and I've always appreciated that. But the strength of this league comes from the passion of the fans. They demand that their coaches are good. They demand that their facilities are good. They demand that the broadcast is good. They demand that these radio guys that cover it know their stuff. The fans are what drive the greatness of the league. Gary Danielson, we appreciate your greatness and all that you've given college football, not only at CBS, but moving forward. Wish you the best. Look forward to seeing you on CBS this season. The great Gary Danielson joining us here at SEC Media Days downtown Nashville. Gary Danielson, a great interviewer uh, as far as his knowledge of what he wanted to talk about as far as the Alabama LSU robbery. Kind of surprised he didn't mention more of the Iron Bowl. He mentioned the comeback play, yeah. which definitely sticks out to him in his broadcasting career. But, you know, Gary Danielson, he is attacked on television. He is attacked on Twitter, and he mentioned that it's, he, he can personally take it because he, he's been booed as a quarterback. But he really feels sometimes it's a reflection on his crew as well. And I know that, you know, Gary Danielson is very passionate about college football. And he and Uncle Vern both back in the day were, were a great yeah. tandem. And either you muted them or you didn't. But, you know, two iconic voices that will always be in the SEC lure of SEC voices for sure. No doubt about it. I mean, and Brad Nessler, credit to him, has done a great job stepping in since the retirement of Vern Lundquist. Uh, you know, Gary Danielson, certainly a polarizing figure. I, I, I thought it was interesting, the point he brought up about CBS's role in the, the rise of the popularity of SEC football. I mean, it's it's undoubtedly true. I'm surprised it hasn't been a, uh, a bigger topic of discussion, kind of just in general buzz this week, talking about, you know, this is the last year we're going to have SEC on CBS football, the last year of that... I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's kind of SEC and CBS are synonymous with each other, and obviously, it's not breaking news. We've known for a number, a couple of years now, that it was going to be ending, and all great things have to come to an end, as they say. But you know, ESPN. I think it was Josh Patey said uh, ESPN is facing the greatest musical decision of, of uh, you know, maybe ever in history with, with, with the theme they come out with with the first week of SEC football or the first promo commercial, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if they live up to it. I have a feeling they won't because it, it's an impossible standard to live up to. But, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't been a bigger topic this week. Well, Gary Danielson just being quite frank and saying, look, I want people to say we missed the CBS coverage and the other guys I know I will. suck. 
Um, so that part was interesting for him to have those comments as well. But, you know, Gary Danielson, one of those iconic figures, again, whether you like him or you hate him, the fact that he is the voice of SEC football and has been for several years now. People are, are he, again, are going to probably miss him when he's gone. The same thing with Uncle Vern Lundquist. You know, people had a lot to say about Vern Lundquist. And then when he leaves the game and the tributes that he did receive, Gary told me today that no one has personally come up to him and attacked him or told him that he sucked. You know, no one has come up to him. Now, that's shocking. In 17 years. Yeah, he said that's never been the case. It's always been an attack through social media, which <laughs> he is fine with. But, again, Gary Danielson joining us today at SEC Media Days, coming to you live now from Radio Row. Again, when we come back and put the finishing touches on today's edition of The Final Drive, it's being brought to you by Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies. The 2023 SEC Media Days presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Air of Excellent. Chavis Furniture, New Century Tires. The attorneys at Hedge Copeland Law Firm want to thank those fine sponsors that made it possible for us to be here on Radio Row at the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. And we'll put the finishing touches on day number two of the SEC Media Days here in Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, putting the finishing touches here on day number two of SEC Media Days. want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, the 2023 SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you in part by Dixie Supply, Keesler Federal Credit Union, the Cart Doctor, and Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. And... As we conclude day number two, Michael, I mean, it was great to be able to talk to Kirby Smart along with DJ Shockley, who is an SEC champion himself, 2005. Cole Kublet really brought the heat and the thunder. Talking to Auburn players Cam Studs and Elijah McAllister. Also from Vanderbilt, Jalen Mahoney and Ethan Barr. And I know for the Georgia Bulldogs, also able to talk to their starting center, Cedric Van Praan. So it was a very busy day as well as we had the SEC coordinator of football officials, John McDade, step, stepping in here and giving us a live interview on Radio Row. Also, tomorrow, Nick Saban takes the podium for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Sam Pittman, probably one of the most laid-back coaches that you'll see in the entire country. It, it just feel like he's just up at the podium. It's a guy you want to get a cold beer No with. question about it. Billy Napier from Florida, along with Mark Stoops from Kentucky, will have those interviews along with the players' interviews as well. T-Bob Bear, he's already made his presence known as he was on the opening kickoff this morning. He's scheduled to stop by with us. So a busy 
Wednesday edition of the final drive coming to you live from Radio Row here. Bronner, what are you looking forward to the most for tomorrow? Come on, man. Tomorrow's Alabama Day. Oh, yeah, man. I'm looking I, I'm looking forward to hearing Mark Stoops talk. No, no disrespect to any of the other teams on the docket, but come on. It's Alabama Day. Of course I'm looking forward to hearing Nick Saban talk. We might get the chance to talk to J.C. Latham. We might get the chance to talk to Kool-Aid McKintree. Might be, man, if we get to interview Kool-Aid. Ooh, well, that's, that's, come you know, on. It'll, it'll make for great stuff. Dallas Turner also scheduled. And for Arkansas, Landon Jackson, K.J. Jefferson, the quarterback, Raheem Sanders, the dynamic running back for the Razorbacks. And for Kentucky, Eli Cox, Octavius Oxendine, and J.J. Weaver, all scheduled to take the podium tomorrow here at SEC Media Days. And, again, putting a wrap on day number two what do you think the talking point will be outside of kirby smart tomorrow i mean i think i or think today. Uh, from today oh for, uh, well from today i mean certainly hugh freeze uh just him being here you know makes a makes a statement in itself uh i think you know how good can auburn be is of course the the big question you know 42 new players on that roster the the not only the fact that hugh freeze is coming back to the sec where the sec is a lot better than it was you know even five years ago auburn has an entirely different roster as for tomorrow it's like you know is the sky falling in Tuscaloosa that's obviously of course that's going to be the main topic of discussion it's Alabama day and you know uh, a lot of people are picking LSU to win the west so you know the uh, main topic of discussion tomorrow is certainly going to be what's uh, who's going to play quarterback how many games is Alabama going to lose this year is Alabama going to lose four games this year is are things going to be disasters can Kevin Steele get the defense back on track and Tommy Reese get the offense back on track there's a lot going on Mark Stoops again a coach that's kind of under the radar we'll see how he's a good Kentucky's coach. culture is and talking about along with Billy Napier at Florida a great final drive coming to you from Radio Row tomorrow for certain and again want to thank Pat's Industrial Auto Supplies, the 2023 SEC Media Days, presented by Greer's Markets and brought to you by LNS Air Conditioning, Rich's Car Wash, Dixie Supply, and Keesler Federal Credit Union, along with Air of Excellence and Chavis Furniture. Find sponsors here that are allowing us to bring you live coverage from the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Michael, we almost got blown away by that storm today as our papers and everything else go We weathered, we weathered the storm we today. We literally weathered the storm today to bring you a great three hours of live coverage from Radio Row right here in downtown Nashville in the Grand Hyatt. And again, tomorrow, looking forward to another exciting edition of the final drive we want to thank everyone for checking in and of course tomorrow make sure you tune in for all the great coverage we'll see what nick saban and the alabama crimson tide have up their sleeves for michael bronner i'm Corey labounty we'll check in tomorrow from radio row